Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag your mind And now for something completely different. Live from London, this is BBC News. Britain's former Prime Minister Boris... What's the date today? December the... What is the date today? Yeah, it's December the 7th, 2023. And the world is upside down. Situation not normal, all left up. Politics on fire. Stay with me. We've got quite a show ahead. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow may be too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The, the world, world is, is watching. So what you just saw was <laughs> a BBC news news anchor flipping off <laughs> I think it was just aimed at the camera but it went out live I don't think she realized she was on the air that was um Miriam Moshiri and she uh, she gave the middle finger to the camera as they were going live to air it was seen by millions and millions of people and now a couple more right here on Maverick News, and I thought, hey, why not start the broadcast with that tonight? It just seems appropriate, doesn't it? <laughs> she said, uh, I was pretending to count down as the director was counting me down from 10 to 0, including the fingers to show the number. So from 10 fingers held up to 1. <laughs> and when I got to 1, I turned the finger around as a joke and did not realize that this would be caught on camera. 
anyway, it's resulted in a bit of an uproar internationally. <laughs> in, uh, in my time, before me sitting here doing this, where I, who am I to talk? We had FU Fridays for a while, right? And I said, okay, we'll do it. We'll have people let off a little steam. The internet's a different animal, though. Mainstream media, you don't do stuff like that. There was a news anchor at a local station who used the F word accidentally once. Cost her her job. Not a station I worked at. It was a competing station. But it cost her her job. <laughs> oh, what a time we live in. She apologized. This BBC news anchor. And by tomorrow, everyone will forget about it because everything else out there is so weird and toxic. I'll tell you, the, uh, the politics right now, I have never seen politics so volatile, so toxic. Not in my lifetime. I'm beginning to think that uh, maybe just prior to World War II, there was something similar going on. Maybe prior to World War I, in its own way, given the state of technology and media at the time but man everything this is politics on fire right now just absolutely on fire did you see the gop debate last night no because you were watching this um i didn't watch it not the whole thing not uh, not last night but vivek ramaswamy was on fire and just lobbing balls of fire Great balls of fire at Nikki Haley. Oh, he scored big time last night at Nikki Haley's expense. Did he ever? Ooh, baby. Oh, toxic, toxic, volatile. You know, it, at first it looked like maybe she was getting some sympathy. But I don't think it worked out that quick, that good for her at the end. I think he just... I think he just destroyed her. This is a uh, compilation of Vivek Ramaswamy highlights from last night's GOP debate. This guy, I'm telling you, he's well positioned to be Trump's running mate. And if Trump doesn't survive, if he is not, Ultimately, the candidate, because of all the league problems that he's running into, I, I, I would say Vivek Ramaswamy is quite possibly the, uh, the heir apparent to the nomination. Because DeSantis has not quite lived up to his promise. Chris Christie, kind of a also ran, like who really cares? Um, and Nikki Haley, Ooh, she got, she has some backing from, I would say the Warhawks and the 
military industrial complex. But Vivek just kind of drove a stake through her heart last night. Check this out. Nikki, you were bankrupt when you left the UN. After you left the UN, you became a military contractor. You actually started joining service on the board of Boeing, whose back you scratched for a very long time, and then gave foreign multinational speeches like Hillary Clinton is. And now you're a multimillionaire. That math does not add up. It adds up to the fact that you are corrupt. Identity politics. This new religion that says your race, your gender, and your sexuality are your identity. It is anti-American. It is meritocratic. It's anti-meritocratic. And it is dividing this country to a breaking point. But it's even worse when Republicans try to play the same game. And Nikki Haley's campaign launch video sounded like a woke Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light ad talking about how she would kick in heels. At the first debate, she said that only a woman can get this job done. That's what she said. After the third debate, when I criticized Ronna McDaniel after five failed years of leadership of this party and criticized Nikki for her corrupt foreign dealings as a military contractor, she said that I have a woman problem. Nikki, I don't have a woman problem. You have a corruption problem. And I think that that's what people need to know. Nikki is corrupt. This is a woman who will send your kids to die so she can buy a bigger house. This is the problem. Using identity politics more effectively than Kamala Harris is a form of intellectual fraud. And it actually needs to end. There's our donor puppet masters wielding their puppet right up here tonight. This is how this game is played. The puppet masters put up their puppet, and I reject the use of identity politics in this party. It has been a cancer coming from the left, and I'm sick and tired of the double standards the people of this country are too. Having two X chromosomes does not immunize okay, you from criticism. You. Foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position, with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden, who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's a puppet masters right there. The donors, the donors right there that are playing about the Hold on, first of all, Chris Christie also doesn't know what provinces in Eastern Ukraine he actually wants us to fight for. Chris, your version of foreign policy experience was closing a bridge from New Jersey to New York. Yeah. So do everybody a favor, just walk yourself off that stage, enjoy a nice meal, yeah. and get the hell out of this yeah, race. Yeah, when it comes to Nikki, all three of them oh have been my. licking Donald Trump's boots for years for money and endorsements. <laughs> Ron DeSantis, you've been a great governor, but you would have never been one without actually begging Donald Trump for that endorsement. And you attacked him in your Nikki book Haley. a year ago. Same thing with Chris Christie as a lobbyist, begging them for COVID money for his special interests in New Jersey, prepping him for the debates last time around. The real enemy is not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take on. And if you want somebody who's gonna speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's gonna speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say 
that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job, that the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11, that the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform, that the 2020 election was indeed stolen by big tech, that the 2016 election, the one that Trump won for sure, was also one that was stolen from him by the national security establishment <laughs> okay. that actually Thank put you. up the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that they knew was false. There's a reason why I'm the only person That'll on the it, stage sir. who can Thank say you. these things. That's what it's going to take, not people who were licking his boots one time and now Monday okay. morning quarterbacking and criticizing him when it's convenient. Transgenderism is a mental health disorder. We don't let you smoke a cigarette by the age of 18. We don't let you have an addictive drink of alcohol by the age of 21. And I just challenge Ron DeSantis to go one step further and support what I think is clearly within the authority to do using federal funds, just like Reagan did in 84 for the Highway Act that said the minimum drinking age needs to be 21. We can do the same thing when it comes to banning genital mutilation or chemical castration. Okay. I know Ron's been okay. unclear about that on the federal Haley. level. I'm crystal clear. That's where I stand. Got and it. That's a mental health disorder. That's, that's where it. we need to be at. Go ahead. This climate change agenda that is shackling this country like a set of handcuffs. I said it the first debate and I stand by it. The climate change agenda is a hoax because it has nothing to do with the climate. That's what we have to see. 98% reduction in the climate disaster related deaths in the last century. Eight times as many people are going to die of cold temperatures this year than warm ones. Yet against that backdrop, there's an issue coming up in Iowa. It's core to Iowa farmers. I met Kim Junker, Kathy Stockdale, and other farmers who are about to have a carbon capture pipeline built across their land using eminent domain to do it. That's unconstitutional and it's wrong. And if you thought COVID was bad, what's coming with this climate agenda is far worse. We should not be bending the knee to this new religion. That is what it is. It is a substitute for a modern religion. We are flogging ourselves and losing our modern way of life bowing to this new god okay. of climate and that will end on my watch and that was from the daily caller great compilation and man was he on fire or what wow poor old nikki haley she was taking taking the brunt of that i don't know i don't know if she she <laughs> she was gaining a little bit of ground there, but I think he just took it all away. Wow. Wow. I'll tell you, that was, uh, that was quite a show. That was quite a show. Um, and then the Vekramaswamy comes off the back of that and ends up on Fox and Friends. Here he is. Come on. And uh, here's here's what he had to say on F and F, F and F, not the Fast and the Furious, Fox and Friends, Fox and Friends. Here he is. Okay, Vivek, take it away. Are you comfortable giving up Eastern Europe? Because you know they're already taking Moldova, I'm, already making moves on the Baltic brain. already. They're taking more and more pieces of I'll Georgia. And all with. we've done is sit there and send blankets and MREs, and we got an invasion. So what is going to be next? Because we have no idea how Ukraine has spent $200 billion of our money. We're forking over more taxpayer money. Do you so see how they fight? The crack can buy These guys house. are the best That's fighters corrupt, in the world. And the I'm not going to stand for Ukrainians that. Ukrainians are probably the best fighters yeah, in the Ukraine world. Ukraine is not some democracy. Ukraine is fighting Ukraine, for their sovereignty. 
Well, you, and they I were mean, invaded. You the they were invaded. Ukraine has actually assassinated a former presidential candidate. It just candidate makes you sound so naive. Media doesn't like to report that. So naive. Well, you should give up Ukraine, and then in a few years you'll be criticizing Joe way. Biden for giving up Ukraine. I respectfully, I, you know, we, we, we can respectfully. And, uh, Brian, I, I think that if, if I called Nikki Haley naive, you guys would be having a conniption. Let's be honest about that. But you want to call me naive? I actually understand what the heck I'm talking about well, here. It, really? Nixon did this in '72. We can actually, we can actually split Just, up the Russia-China alliance and, and advance happened, American interests. I think and World War II is your better what, example. I think it is offensive. World War II well, is your better no, example. One is a diplomatic approach and one is an active war. Germany. If you could have split up Japan and Germany, then I do think that you actually have a good example really? of World War II. You got to convince Hitler not to go with a fascist nation. And for the, I'm not talking about convincing anybody, Brian. But the fact of the matter is, I think it is offensive that people would sooner use $200 billion of our resources to protect some other nation's foreign border that's not a democracy, when you in can, fact we're not do even doing that effectively You can here do both. It's not either border. or. We're doing neither. It's neither. It's not neither either or. Right. And that's right. the fact of the matter. He, he's, he's got the right balance there, you know. He's... He's got the narrative down. He's got, he's got, he's just got those arguments finely tuned and properly balanced so that they are, you know, he's, he's positioning himself, himself against the, the Biden policies on the, especially foreign affairs on the foreign affairs portfolios. And he's, Walking that fine line, that tightrope, where he's maintaining his autonomy as a a contender for the nomination, while at the same time showing that he still has support for Donald Trump, so he's not alienating the MAGA base or Donald Trump himself not being critical of trump but being critical of his opponents being pro-america while at the same time finding that just the right words to show that he doesn't have to be confrontational with adversaries like russia where you can still extend an olive branch find common ground maybe and find a path to peace while still taking on the issues that confront the nation with regard to the military-industrial complex, corruption, foreign influence. He's got, the, he's got the words, man. He's That was skillful. I am impressed. But the mood of the nation has never been more volatile. It's never been more toxic. Politics has become so nasty. I mean, as balanced as he was, he was vicious. Fair, but vicious. And you could see that the other three on the stage were standing there like deer caught in the headlights especially Nikki Haley and DeSantis, man, that guy nervous, nervous 
Oh, man, live, I'm telling you. He didn't know what to do. And he tried there to kind of throw a barb back at Ramaswamy at, at one point, but no, Ramaswamy was on a roll. He was killing it last night. Then, I mean, and then this was a highlight from Nikki Haley, who has been, as I said, gaining ground. But I don't know. She's going to have to do a little bit better than this. We really do need to ban TikTok once and for all. And let me tell you why. For every 30 minutes that someone watches TikTok every day, they become 17% more anti-Semitic, more pro-Hamas based on doing that. We now know that 50% of adults 18 to 25 think that Hamas was warranted in what they did with Israel. That's a problem. When campuses also don't go and protect when they have these rallies and you've got students that are scared, we need to go to these universities and say, if you're not going to protect these students, if you're not going to acknowledge anti-Semitism, we'll take your tax-exempt status away. That'll fix it, and that'll take care of it. We so she's now pro-censorship? Um, liking her less and less every day. I get that there's a PR war on and maybe you don't agree, but censorship isn't really quite the right answer. Even if you have political opponents posting stuff that uh, you just don't like. Anyway, man, like, <laughs> oh, Ramaswamy on fire. Had that GOP debate, gaining a lot of ground and uh, and doing it right, man. I'm telling you. Now, Trump, not there, but he was like the elephant not in the room, right? So everything still comes back to him. Still, obviously, the front runner. It's still his to lose. And he could, he could lose it. Not fairly, <laughs> again, but... He could lose it on the legal side. Uh, he is challenging. Where is it here? Got to get these notes up. He's appealing the, um, the court ruling on his assertion that he should be immune from prosecution. Okay, here's, let's bring this up here. This will help us. Here's the NBC News version of this. It's being reported widely tonight. Trump appeals ruling denying his immunity claims. In his federal election interference case, Says, you know, former President Donald Trump filed a notice Thursday indicating that he will appeal a ruling that he does not have immunity from prosecution in his federal election case that's set to go to trial in March. Judge Tanya Chitkin, who's presiding over the election interference case against the former president, ruled against Trump last Friday, denying his motion to dismiss his D.C. indictment on presidential immunity and constitutional grounds 
Chutkin said the former president did not have absolute immunity from prosecution for actions taken in his role as president. So now there was a separate filing and Trump's lawyers have requested a pause on all further proceedings in the case until his appeal is resolved. They're going to take this all the way to the Supreme Court, but time is running out. And uh, this is a big liability for Trump. I don't know where it will end up. I'm just not sure how much weight to give this. But it shows you that, you know, as we get closer and closer and closer to the presidential election, Things are going to heat up even more on the lawfare side and just in the political arena in general. And you're going to see, again, just absolute <coughs> chaos in the streets. It's a coming. It is coming. Because it is, you can see both sides just Digging in like they're digging their trenches and getting ready for warfare. And soon they will all run out of the trenches and confront each other in political no man's land. And it'll be no holds barred, bloody political warfare like we've never seen before. I really believe that because it is toxic out there absolutely toxic and the language the rhetoric that we are hearing um all the way around is to me kind of disturbing um i was don't know if i've got this here or not Yeah, let me take a little break here. I had another clip that I wanted to run for you. So let me just uh, share this with you and then we'll come back and hopefully I'll have that. And in, in any event, we will be moving forward on the other side of this. Jingle bells. Trudeau smells. Biden laid an egg. Klaus Schwab's deal has no appeal. But tomorrow is a brand new day. Hey everyone. Have a merry maverick Christmas. And a magnificent new year. The New World Order Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream Media Lies Now more than ever Independent voices are needed Donate now At FreedomReporters.com That's FreedomReporters.com Maverick News The Antivirus Program For Your Mind
Okay, well, I'm not going to run the clip because if I were to run the clip, it would probably cause problems on the censorship side. So I'm just going to kind of tell you what was said. And it was a clip with Steve Bannon. And <laughs> I mean, they, they were saying with Cash Patel that they are coming for Trump's opponents. Like, this is the kind of talk, right? It's like, we're coming for you. We are coming and we've got the receipts and we're going to, you know, we're going to charge you and we're going to, we're going to come after you legally. And these guys have an ax to grind. Do they not? Of course they do. They've been hauled in front of judges and thrown in the slammer and detained. And <laughs> it's been constant lawfare. Since Trump came down that escalator and it just keeps getting ramped up and ramped up and ramped up and ramped up. And the allegations of, uh, you know, um, shenanigans, elections, shenanigans, a lot of that, it really kind of, it's at the heart of all of this, isn't it? 2016, Ramaswamy. Okay. Again, striking just the right tone to appeal to those Republican voters. Making reference to the 2016 election, to the Russia, Russia, Russia collusion scandal. Giving his take on that. All of his talking points in line. And it comes down to that 2020 election, right? Like, I have to say, I had never seen anything quite like it. And yet they were sitting there saying, oh, it's just normal. With all this, these delays and shutting down the, the counting in the middle of the night and having it carrying on into the days that, that came after the election. No, I've never seen anything quite like that. I mean, there were the hanging chads in that previous election and things like that. And you can go all the way back to the controversies surrounding Kennedy Nixon. Did Kennedy steal that election? Controversies like that. I mean, it's it's always been there, but not this toxic. This is crazy off the charts kind of toxic. This is the new normal. Situation not normal. All effed up. And that whole thing with, you know, that election in 2020. That's at the heart of everything here, isn't it? All the, all the chaos, the turmoil, the QAnon, angst. It's all about whether Trump is or is not the president. Some people believe he is, and people on the other side say he isn't. And it's just been going on and on, back and forth ever since. Mainstream media, just Biden's the president. And then you've got the other side. People are passionate about it. And who's the traitor? Who's the patriot? Who's loyal? Who isn't? Who's pro-America? Who's corrupt? Who cheated? Who didn't? Did they cheat? Didn't they cheat? This is at the question. This is at the, this, this, at the heart of everything. And we're heading into this next election, and it is for all the marbles. 
you know, I think John was calling in the other night and he said, you know, Russia has the most powerful military in the world. Uh, maybe, but I don't think so. The U.S. has more soldiers, more troops, more ships. I think Russia's military is actually only about the, actually, in terms of troop size, I think they're only about fifth in the world. But they do have those hypersonic missiles. Lots of, uh, but the bottom line is, this is for control of a nuclear power. On the ver on the the dawn of a new artificial intelligence age. Who wants to Who wants to control one of the most powerful countries on the face of the planet? A superpower, maybe the most powerful country in the world. Who wants to control that? What lengths wouldn't wouldn't some groups, organizations go to to take control of that nuclear arsenal and the artificial intelligence technology that comes along with that? Not to mention the economy, such as it is. <laughs> I think people would go to any lengths, do anything to get control of that power because that's what it's about power you get the power you automatically get the money lawfare oh yeah and more and more and it's going on around the world it's going on in all these western countries that's why canada is in play canada is right there on the doorstep of the united states of america You don't think foreign governments want to control Canada, a country that sits right on the doorstep of the USA? Of course. You want to have as much influence there as possible, not to mention control of the resources, possibly. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? We're seeing tons of absolute hard, concrete evidence of foreign influence in the Canadian political system. Paper trails, money, it's all there. It is all there. And it isn't just Canada as a nation. It's First Nations nations within Canada, too. Okay? Um, Canada's Assembly of First Nations has just um, elected a new national chief. Her name is Cindy Woodhouse. And when we come back... We'll tell you all about that, and we'll show you how the language coming from Cindy Woodhouse is very similar to what I heard from Steve Bannon, but it's just kind of focused in a different way. The sharing of biased and false, false news has become all too common on, on social, social media. media. More alarmingly, some media in an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose not the red pill. Choose not the blue pill. 
for both are an illusion. Discover the power of M. The power of individuality. We are mavericks, we are the way to the light. Fear not the storm. Join our quest for truth. Truth will set you free. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, so the Assembly of First Nations has a new chief, Cindy Woodhouse. And have this video queued up here of her speaking after her victory. But I want you to listen very carefully to the language being used to the words. It is uncompromising. It is, I would say, very hard line. It is absolutely in keeping with the tone of politics today. She says, Canada, we are coming for you. Those are hard words. Canada, we are coming for you. This at a time when Canada, in the United States, Western countries are all under the cloud of anti-colonialism, woke politics. Not that I like that word woke that much, but for lack of a better description at the moment, cultural Marxism. Identity politics. Couple that with the impact of the new United Nations Declaration of Rights for Indigenous Peoples and the legal ramifications of that. Combine that with the additional legislation that the Canadian government has imposed upon itself, making UNDRIP binding, where on other nations it is actually not, but in Canada it is because the Canadian government under Trudeau has made UNDRIP binding, compulsory, which is why there's an amplified requirement now for all governments to involve First Nations in all kinds of decision-making why there's a parallel legal system being developed for First Nations peoples, which, you know, a lot of these things are not bad. 
But when you listen to the language that I'm about to roll for you, this is uncompromising. And there is more than just a land claim here. This is... This is Cindy Woodhouse saying that all the land belongs to First Nations, not just in Canada, but in all of Turtle Island. All of Turtle Island belongs to Indians. And you know that Turtle Island includes Canada, the United States, Mexico, all the way down, right? It's all the continent and more watch this clip documents like that that are so important that we acknowledge our traditional territories because every piece of square inch in this country and across turtle island is indian land did you hear that every square inch is indian land now you can interpret that in a variety of ways at this point, I would say, but those are strong, strong words, uncompromising. This is not the kind of language that lends itself to honoring treaties in Canada, and the history in the United States is a bit different, but it doesn't lend itself, I don't think, to honoring treaties, this is reclaiming land. This is language that suggests to me that they want total control of all the land, no? But I get it. You could interpret it in a, a bit of a different way, saying maybe soften it up but it doesn't sound very conciliatory. It doesn't sound like it, it. It's very uncompromising. Give, don't give an inch. Even later. Um, I'd like to thank uh, so many. I, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. And first and foremost, I want to thank the candidates you know, when you're, when you're in an election like this, you spend days with each other and you become family. But I'm happy that today, uh, David and I had a, a long discussion last night. We had a long discussion this morning. And of course, uh, interim na our national chief, um, Joanna Bernard, and we came together in a good way because we have to work for you. We can't, uh, this isn't about us. I had a, a call from Vancouver's east side from somebody very dear to me. And they called and they said, is the election done yet? And this is somebody that's homeless and on our streets in Vancouver's east side. And they're watching what we're doing here right now. And those are the people that we have to stand up and fight for. And so Canada, if you're listening, to Canada and to Canadians, we need your support. You have to work with First Nations people in a good way. We are here in a good way. I've been raised like that from uh, my father from, from, and the teachings of my, uh, my mother, that we have to work with all people. But at the same time, there's a point where um, if, you're not, if, if you don't listen to our people, you don't listen to our chiefs, you don't answer them, 
then there's problems. And so to Canada, we're, we're, we're coming for you. <laughs> yeah. In fact, Bannon, I think it was Bannon, it might have been Cash Patel, in their address, <laughs> they warned Trump's opponents and the people who have been targeting MAGA on the Democrat side, they, they used the exact same words, we're coming for you. They literally said that. And Trump himself has been using rhetoric like that too for his political opponents. And that has triggered people on the left and the Democrats. They've lost their freaking minds. They're petrified of him now. Not that they weren't petrified of him before, but even more now for using those exact kind of words. Petrified. They're afraid that if he gets elected again, he will follow through this time. I wouldn't be surprised. They've come after him so hard. And his supporters, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he started rounding people up and started throwing them in the slammer. But that is why it is situation not normal, all left up. Because it is so hard line. Things are becoming so extreme. And that kind of rhetoric can lead to very dark places very quickly even though I'm not sure that anybody using that kind of language really intends for it to go to a place like that. But you can see how in history prior to this, it has in the past. So words are important. Um, you know, I, I do hear conciliatory language in here and it sounds like she wants to work with the Canadian government and reach common ground and that sounds all very positive but then it's also coupled with those phrases right we're canada we're coming for you which can be alarming at every square inch is indian land what does that mean exactly we've seen other interpretations of that especially over the past year that we've explored right here on this program you know and we i don't know um, with so many people just wanting to tear the whole government down. I, I think that there might be a lot of support for that, even in this room right here. Just get rid of the government. And yet, I don't really hear anybody exactly explaining what would replace it exactly. And that is where the real danger lies. Because if you tear down what we have, it creates a political vacuum. And what comes in, what gets sucked into that vacuum? Usually, if you have some sort of a revolution or uprising or an unceremonious dumping of a system in any particular country, what comes in to fill the void? It's usually worse. And I would submit that First Nations are really protected by the treaties that are already in place under this colonial system. Keeping in mind that it was First Nations themselves that in many respects helped to build this because they fought alongside the British 
in some cases, or the French. They fought against the Americans, War of 1812. They helped build this nation. And they have nations, their own nations, within a nation. And it's those agreements that have allowed us to live the way we've been living and keep improving upon that over time. It's certainly not perfect. And the Canadian government certainly has not lived up to its obligations, in my view. So there's a lot more work to be done there. But man, you take that all away. What comes in to fill that void? Would it just be the First Nations that then would assume control? Or would it be some other political system? Would we get, what do we get? And if, and then what happens to those treaties, those agreements? Just because, don't assume, folks, that if the system is torn down, that automatically, because the First Nations peoples were here first, that they would automatically assume control. I doubt it. I think if the system gets torn down, something else comes in. Something else. And I'm not so sure it would be nearly as accommodating to people with alternative views or people, or even First Nations peoples. I'm getting a little bit tired, honestly, of the... Uh, Oh, Canada's bad. The United States is all bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. It's all evil. Mm, no, actually, there's a lot of good. There's a whole lot of good all the way around and some bad, but more good than bad. More good than bad. And a lot to be proud of. And it's worth fighting for to get it back for everybody and make it better. Make it better than it was and keep on making it better because it ain't perfect. So, you know, I hear a mix of language rhetoric there from the new chief, and that's cool. Um, I just hope that it it results in positive change. And I think that she, she seems like a, a reasonable lady, but it's those, those words, they keep creeping into politics on all sides. I keep hearing the same kind of rhetoric all the way around. And it is, especially on the U.S. side, it is going to ramp up. And you think, oh man, Canada is not immune. You wait till the next election. Trudeau? We've seen the anger in the streets directed in him. If he hangs on to the leadership and carries the party, the Liberal Party, into that next election, oh my, you ain't seen nothing yet. You, you will see so much anger in the streets. You will see demonstrations beyond a fever pitch it will be politics on fire in the streets and the the they will be spitting fire at justin trudeau at every whistle stop guaranteed it'll be brutal 
politics like Canada has never seen before because it will be situation not normal all effed up. It's the new normal and it ain't normal. Because people are so pissed off on the one side and so afraid and jacked up on the other side and so full of virtue and so convinced that they are also on the right side of history, yet diametrically opposed. You just wait. <laughs> the coming year is going to be one heck of a roller coaster ride, man. You know, since 2016, especially, we've seen a lot of. A lot of negative stuff in politics, but nothing like what is about to come. Nothing. And if Trump isn't allowed to run, that's just going to fuel even more. Potentially violence in the streets, as we've seen in the past. If anything happens to him, that'll just blow the lid off the country. In many respects, we're already in kind of a civil war of sorts, not the kind of civil war where people are squaring off with, you know, muskets and cannons, but an information war, a culture war, a political war, and politics in this secular society that we are in has really become kind of like a religion for, for so many people. Not kind of. It is a religion. It has replaced religion. That is what has come in to fill the void for so many people who have lost touch with the church or their religion of whatever flavor they might have subscribed to. Politics is the new religion. And uh, politics and religion make for a very volatile combination, especially when they clash in the streets. Spit and fire. Take another quick break. Be right back. It's time to exile. Exile. The Knights of Malta. Maverick News. Join us. The world is watching.
Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, so immigration, that's another big hot button issue, right? So let's uh let's go over to the UK where Rishi Sunak. UK leader Rishi Sunak addressing the issue of immigration over there. Um, listen to what he's saying. This is, you know, we've, we've seen a flood of people, constant flood, more just in the last day or so, like unprecedented numbers down on the, the southern U.S. border. We're seeing massive waves of immigration coming into Canada, all the Western countries being flooded. And then we get this from Rishi Sunak over in the UK. will upset some people and you will hear a lot of criticism about it. So it's right to explain why I've decided to do this. I'm the child of immigrants. I understand why some people take the risk of- There's new legislation to limit immigration, he says. It's because the United Kingdom is an incredible country. It offers opportunity, hope, and safety. But the difference is, my family came here legally. Like most immigrants, they integrated into local communities, worked hard to provide for their family, built lives and businesses, found friends and neighbors. And most of all, they were really proud to become British. That feeling of pride, it cascades down the generations and grows. And that's why you see so many children of immigrants sitting around the cabinet table. But it's not a given. Illegal immigration undermines not just our border controls, it undermines the very sense of fairness that is so central to our national character. We play by the rules. We put in our fair share. We wait our turn. Now, if some people can just cut all of that out, you've not just lost control of your borders, you fatally undermine the very fairness upon which trust in our system is based. That's why this legislation is so necessary, to deliver an effective deterrent to those who wish to come here illegally, to restore people's trust that the system is fair, and ultimately to stop the boats. And so our bill today fundamentally addresses the Supreme Court's concerns over the safety of Rwanda. I did not agree with that judgment, but I respect it. That is why we have spent the last three weeks working tirelessly to respond to their concerns and to guarantee Rwanda's safety in a new legally binding international treaty. The Supreme Court were clear that they were making a judgment about Rwanda at a specific moment 18 months ago and that the problems could be remedied, confirming that they have been and that unequivocally, Rwanda is a safe country. And today's bill also ends the merry-go-round of legal challenges that have blocked our policy for far too long. We simply cannot have a situation where our ability to control our borders and stop people taking perilous journeys across the channel is held up in endless litigation in our courts. So this bill gives Parliament the chance to put Rwanda's safety beyond question in the eyes of this country's law. Parliament is sovereign. 
it should be able to make decisions that cannot be undone in the courts. And it was never the intention of international human rights laws to stop a sovereign parliament removing illegal migrants to a country that is considered safe in both parliamentary statute and international law. So the bill does include what are known as notwithstanding clauses. These mean that our domestic courts will no longer be able to use any domestic or international law, including the Human Rights Act, to stop us removing illegal migrants. Let me just go through the ways that individual illegal migrants try. So this is about Rwanda and an asylum policy and massive immigration coming into the UK. And so he is saying that as the conservative leader and leader of the UK, they have passed new legislation or tried to, to address the immigration issue and even deport some people. And it was challenged in the courts. They lost. So they're shoring that up. And then he's, all, he's, he's backed into a real corner here because he's under pressure from the public. He's also under pressure from within his own party. Even as a conservative, he's facing challenges from within. He could lose the leadership. So he's between a rock and a hard place here. And he's trying to balance this thing off against the electorate that is split like it is everywhere between people who don't want so much immigration and then you've got the woke side on the other side and it just goes on. So <laughs> he's, he's trying to find a balance here. He's playing politics instead of just doing really what needs to be done. Because if you we're going to go on here and you listen to what he says and then listen to the numbers that he's making reference to here. And then you tell me if this guy is really serious about this or not. And stay. Claiming asylum. That's now blocked. Abuse of our modern slavery rules. Blocked. The idea that Rwanda isn't safe. Blocked. The risk of being sent to some other country. Blocked. And spurious human rights claims. You'd better believe that we've blocked those two because we're completely disapplying all the relevant sections of the Human Rights Act. And not only have we blocked all of these ways that illegal migrants will try and stay, we've also blocked their ability to try and stay by bringing a judicial review on any of those grounds. That means that this bill blocks every single reason that has ever been used to prevent flights to Rwanda from taking off. The only extremely narrow exception will be that if you can prove with credible and compelling evidence that you specifically have a real and imminent risk of serious and irreversible harm. We have to recognize that as a matter of law. And if we didn't, we'd undermine the treaty we've just signed with Rwanda. As the Rwandans themselves have made clear, if we go any further, the entire scheme will collapse. And there is no point having a bill with nowhere to send people to. But I'm telling you now, we have set the bar so high that it will be vanishingly rare for anyone to meet it. And once you have been removed, you will be banned for life from traveling to the UK, settling here, or becoming a citizen. 
But of course, even with this new law here at home, we could still face challenges from the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg. So let me repeat what I said two weeks ago. I will not allow a foreign court to block these flights. If the Strasbourg Court chooses to intervene against the express wishes of our sovereign parliament, I will do what is necessary to get flights off. And today's new laws already make clear that the decision on whether to comply with interim measures issued by the European Court is a decision for British government ministers and British government ministers alone. Because it is your government, not criminal gangs or indeed foreign courts, who decides who comes here and who stays in our country. Now, of course, our Rwanda policy is just one part of our wider strategy to stop the boats. And that strategy is working. I've been Prime Minister for just over a year now, and for the first time, small boat arrivals here are down by a third, even as illegal crossings in the Mediterranean have soared by 80%. Let me just repeat that. Small boat arrivals here are down by a third. To help achieve that, we've signed returns and cooperation agreements with France, Bulgaria, Turkey, Italy, and Georgia. Illegal working raids are up nearly 70%. 50 hotels are being returned to their local communities, and we are housing people in a new barge and in former military sites. The initial asylum backlog is down from 92,000 to less than 20,000. We've returned over 22,000 illegal migrants, and as our deal with Albania shows, deterrence works. Last year, a third of all those arriving in small boats were Albanian. This year, we've returned 5,000 people and cut those arrivals by 90%. And Albanian arrivals have far more recourse to the courts than anyone under this new legislation. That's why I'm so confident that this bill will work. Lord Sumption, the former Supreme Court judge, believes this bill will work. We will get flights off the ground. We will deter illegal migrants from coming here. And we will finally stop the boats. Thank you. We turn some questions from the media. Can we start with the BBC? Thank you, Prime Minister. Chris Mason, BBC News. Are you saying to your MPs bluntly on all of this, back me or sack me? Now, what I'm saying, not just to my MPs, but the entire country, is that I share their frustration. Right? My patience with this has worn thin. Right? One of my five priorities at the beginning of the year was to stop the boats, and I'm pleased that we've made progress. Let me put this in a little bit of perspective for you. He's talking about 22,000 returned. Then he says 5,000 returned. I believe those were Albanians. Maybe 100,000 in total affected by all of this. So last year, 1.2 million migrated to Britain. The overwhelming majority of those, about 960,000, maybe 970,000, came from outside the EU. The top five places that the migrants came from and continue to come from, India, Nigeria, China, Pakistan, Ukraine. And I expect 
probably Palestine over the course of the coming year as well now. So we'll change a little bit that way. But if you have 1.2 million people and we're talking about what, a total of maybe 80 or 90,000 who were affected so far by his policies, how much of an impact is that really having? And will it be more substantial in the year ahead? This is, I think, a reflection of everything going on in Western countries right now, where you have someone who's a conservative standing up saying that they're trying to do something about this immigration flood. And maybe he is, but for whatever reason, whether it's because he's not really trying or because the court system is creating obstacles, I don't know. I'm not British and I'm not familiar enough with British politics, honestly, to sit here and with great intelligence analyze this. But I, I just I'm listening to his rhetoric on the one side where he's trying to sell this legislation. And then I'm listening to the numbers and it just doesn't equate for me. It doesn't sound to me like it's really making that much of a difference. I heard just within the last day that in the coming year, there are some who are claiming that on the in, in the U.S., they could have as many as 15 million people enter the country this coming year illegally. 15 million people. It almost seems like it's all proportional and maybe even planned to some degree, because if you look at what Canada is bringing in with a country of 40 million, we're taking in about a million to a million and a half this coming year. In the U.S., where they have over 300 million population, it's about 15 million. You look at the U.K., 1.2 million. It's like the amounts coming in almost seem proportional. It, it seems like it's controlled chaos to me, uh, as though somebody is choreographing all of this stuff. Down by a third, for the first ever time, by the way, that shows that our plan is working, but we've got more to do. And that's why this legislation is so important. We've got to end the legal merry-go-round that has blocked us from getting our Rwanda scheme up and running. That's what this legislation does. That's what the new treaty that the Home Secretary signed this week mm. does. And it will mean unequivocally that Rwanda is safe and there should be no more blocks to our ability to get people on planes and send them to Rwanda because that is critical. We must have a deterrent that says if you come here illegally, you cannot stay and you will be removed. And when we can get that up and running, as we have with Albania, we will see the numbers come down. I'm absolutely committed to seeing this through because I share the British people's frustration. It's patently unfair what is happening at the moment, which is why it requires action like this that is novel, that is contentious, but that's what we're about. We're about getting stuff done on the things that matter. This matters, and we're going to make sure that we deliver. Next, can I turn to ITV? Uh, Prime Minister, you've made clear that stopping the boats is one of your biggest promises to voters, and you're also telling us this legislation is the way to do it. So can I ask you, will next week's vote be treated as a vote of confidence in your government? And will you throw Conservative MPs out of the party if they defy you? You don't know. But what this vote is about 
It's about confidence in Parliament to demonstrate that it gets the British people's frustration. I get it. I'm acting on it. So actually, the real question when it comes to all these votes is for the Labour Party, because I want to get this legislation on the statute books as quickly as possible. That's what we're all about. We've moved at record pace since the judgment to get the treaty, to get the bill introduced. So the question now is the Labour Party, because we've got no, no, but we've got a plan, right? We've got a plan to pass this legislation and I want to pass it quickly, right? But I'm not hearing from anyone else that they've got a plan. Right. So the real question when it comes to Parliament, question for all of you to ask is, what are the Labour Party going to do about this vote? What are they going to do about this legislation? Because we've got a clear plan to stop the votes. Deterrence is a critical part of it. There is no way to stop people coming here unless you have a deterrent that means they will be sent somewhere else. It's as simple as that. This is our deterrent and we are doing everything we can to get it on the statute books and get it up and running. So the question for votes in Parliament is what is the Labour Party's plan and are they going to back this legislation? Next, can we go to Sky? Thank you. Um, Prime Minister, do you see the reality of what is happening here? You've lost control of your party and this has become a confidence issue, not in Parliament, but in you. Do you accept that and will you call an election if you lose these votes? What, what's happening here is we're delivering on what I said. Right, let's just look at the record, let's just look at the facts. Mm. When I got this job, the number of small boat arrivals into this country had quadrupled in the past few years. Right? That's what happened. Since I've been here, and because of all the things that we've done, we've got the numbers down by a third. Right? That's my record on this situation. We've got the number of illegal enforcement raids up by 70%. We've arrested literally hundreds and hundreds of people. Hundreds. Right, in those raids, but also people who are coming illegally. They've arrested hundreds. We've, we've closed down thousands of people's bank accounts who shouldn't have been here. Oh. We're returning 20, over 20,000 people. That's my record on this issue. Those are the facts, and that's because I get it. That's because this is ridiculous what's going on, right? And we're doing something about it. Now, I want to finish the job, right? And finishing the job means getting this legislation on the statute books and getting this scheme up and running. I am determined to see that through because I think this is a top priority for the country. It's a basic matter of fairness. Right? And that's what we're about. We're about delivering. I'm not interested in talking. I'm interested in doing things. The actions we've taken already have already made a difference. But we've got to finish the job, and I'm going to see this thing through. Okay. So we'll leave it there. He's He's got his back up against the wall. You can see that there's some desperation there. I don't know how much sincerity there is. I can't. I can't tell from what he's saying. All we can do is wait and see what the actions are. And even then, in a case like this, if he is sincere and he's really trying to, to do something about immigration and stem the tide, you know, put a cork in the in the in the in the little crack in the dam or whatever. If if there is somebody there pushing the cork back out, he might he might end up taking it on the chin and he might look like the bad guy, not really be the bad guy, because maybe the system is stacked against him in this regard, as it is, I think, in every Western country right now. And yet the governments can't seem to get a handle on this. So it makes you wonder if they're part of the problem, if they are the problem, if any of them are really serious about doing anything about this. And he's saying they've arrested hundreds of people. And I suppose there's some merit to that. 
if the people they're arresting are the human traffickers that he does allude to in his address here today, but you know, it's like go after the people who are facilitating the the mass my illegal migration. I don't call it irregular. <laughs> no, it's illegal. They're coming in illegally. You know, if every time I've crossed the border, I I, I feel more nervous just going to the U.S. to visit <laughs> than uh, I think the people coming in to either Canada or the U.S. illegally feel. <laughs> I think that they get a warmer welcome. In fact, here in Canada, the uh, the RCMP will carry your luggage as they take you to the nearest hotel. <laughs> and that's the truth. They actually do that. Uh, immigration, it's going to be one of the key issues. Trump saying in his last speech in Iowa that he will start to round up illegal migrants and came right out and said that he would deport them. He would deport them. His words. That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of language that is inflammatory. It triggers people on the other side. It makes people on one side who are upset, frustrated, and fed up cheer. People on the other side find it horrifying. And language like that in an era of political correctness that we have been living in until now. Uh, that, that kind of language is just enough to make people's heads explode before, but now it's just polarizing. That's why you're seeing reactions like this on the far left networks like CNN. Like I say, they are petrified of the orange man. As Donald Trump heads into 2024, the clear GOP frontrunner, some Republicans and Democrats are like, are sounding the alarm about just how dangerous they think a second term could be. You can see him trying to uh, create the embryo of a fascistic authoritarian criminal party once he gets back into office. And Liz Cheney's got it absolutely right. If he gets back in, does any person think that really he would ever leave office again? If you believe that, you're just too innocent to be let out of the house by yourself. Jonathan Carl is back with me to discuss his fantastic new book, Tired of Winning, Donald Trump and the End of the Grand Old Party, which I happen to have right here, which I read cover to cover, as they say. Uh, I want to just on this note, talk about one of the many scoops that you have in this book. And the chapter is called Fix It Now. And it's about this notion, uh, not just of him staying if he wins again, but historically, uh, back in 2021, whether or not he thought he could actually be reinstated even after he lost because he refused to admit that he lost. And you noticed that- Like he, I said, it's that election. Did, was it Saturday Night Live. stolen or not? That's it, at the heart of- or before, And this is from your book. You said, I began the conversation because you talked to him yeah. July 2021 with no intention of asking Trump about the reinstatement fantasies I had seen circulating among some of his most extreme supporters. But as he droned on about the very strong information I'd soon 
uh, see coming, he sounded like someone who genuinely believed his 2020 defeat could be overturned. So I asked what he meant when he wrote in his statement, 2024 or before. We have some audio of that conversation you had. By the way, when you had a release recently, you said 2024 or before. What, what, what do you mean by that? You, you don't really think there's a way you would get reinstated before the next election. Do you? I'm not going to explain it to you, Jonathan, because you, uh, you wouldn't either understand it or write it. You wrote it, but you might not understand it. I mean, this this is a truly lunatic idea that, that was floating out there that somehow Biden could be ejected from the White House uh, long after he was sworn in, long after his administration had taken hold. And what you hear there, in and you can hear the way he's saying it, I mean, he believed that somehow the truth was going to come out about the Chinese manipulating our voting machines and the election being stolen and that he was going to be reinstated as president. And, and over the course of that chapter, which truly some of the most surprising things that, that, that I have learned about Trump, what was going on behind the scenes throughout the year of 2021 and even into last year, Dana, he was pressuring people to pursue this idea that Biden could be upended, thrown out of the White House. He could be put back into the White House. They could rerun the election. And, uh, and he would be president. And look, it's one thing to hear this in QAnon mm -hmm. websites. It's another thing to hear the former president of the United States. Yeah, about it, it sure is. Now, I should say uh, that this is uh, old home weekday, whatever you want to call it, because I used to be your producer. You were at CNN and we ran around Capitol Hill together. I learned so much from you and I enjoyed working with you. There you, there you go. The Back guy, in the day, look the, at that. Yeah, the guy in the middle uh, was this U.S. senator people may have heard of. Last name yeah. is Kennedy. Uh, yeah, that was back in the day. And one of the many stories that you and I covered together on Capitol Hill was 9-11. Yeah. We were at the Capitol together on 9-11. And it's etched in my mind, obviously, in yours, because you write about it in this book, us coming back to the Capitol the evening as dusk was, was up. Okay, that's enough. It's all about that election. I mean, that, that is at the heart of the entire matter. And that is what is fueling <laughs> the polarization, the lawfare, the views on both sides. His book of course, taking the position that, oh, no, 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 Trump is crazy. He's a lunatic. And yet, when I listened to Steve Bannon, complete and Cash Patel, the absolute opposite. They've got the receipts. They know that the election was, you know, not like it was supposed to be. And, with they, and when, they get, when they get power again, they're going to come and they're coming for them. They're... Each side is ready to rip the other side to shreds in court or in any, in any other way that they need to. And this is going to spill over into the streets for sure. In Canada, too. Maybe not quite so much on the, um, you know, question of the legitimacy of the voting process, the mechanics of it. We still use paper ballots in Canada at the federal level. 
So they, you can't quite blame it on voting machines that way. But because of the instability in the U.S., there's a lot of, well, there's like very little trust in our institutions and in our system as it is. And the, uh, the instability in the States has affected things here in Canada as well, where people mix the, everything up. Canadians are like that um, because we're exposed to so much U.S. media. It's all my life it has been like that, where people get confused about the U.S. and the Canadian systems on the Canadian side because they, they get the stuff meshed. But still serious issues up here, too. Because the issues are all very much the same. Immigration is going to be at the heart of so much of this. And uh, and you're seeing, because of the wars in Ukraine, in the Middle East, the jockeying for position, the new alliances, it, it geopolitically, the U.S. dollar under pressure, all of these issues, you're seeing that we're re really returning to a sort of just a pre-World War II stance or circumstance, I guess. And that seems choreographed to me in many respects as well. So you're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism on the one side. You're seeing, you know, this this war between Israel, Hamas. That is what is, I think, the the, the real powder keg here that is just ready to blow. And we've been hearing, you know, even since, especially since the uh, the war in Ukraine ramped up. All the concerns about Nazism, and yet this is all kind of flipped around, upside down, twisted inside out and backwards, and people can't even really, I don't think, determine what a Nazi is anymore, if they ever really could. And I would put it to you that people who think they know what Nazism is have a cliche in their heads these days. It's been pumped into our noggins with mass media, movies like Schindler's List, television shows like Hogan's Heroes, and even movies like Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator, where these images become cliches. It's easier to sell someone something if you simplify a message and deliver it to them as a cliche. I've learned that working in media. I learned that a long time ago, working in media. You want to deliver a message to people so they can understand it. You just kind of deliver it at a, at a, to the lowest common denominator, simplify the message and deliver it as a cliche so that people can easily understand it and absorb it. Keeping in mind that most people only read headlines on newspapers they rarely get past the first paragraph if they even read the first paragraph of a newspaper article. Most people just read a headline and see pictures. And that's also what makes television, the internet so powerful because it's video. 
You don't even need to be literate. You don't even need to be able to read to deliver effective messaging to a mass audience that maybe can't even properly read or write. So if you have a population that uh, maybe the education system or a subpopulation, a group, maybe even people um, from other countries who maybe can't read English very well, but can still interpret images and so on, mass media, video, an effective medium. And I, I would submit to you that people are being fed messaging in a way that is pulling people one way or the other politically and polarizing people. And I don't think these efforts to identify Nazis have been all that effective because I think a lot of it is the opposite of what people are thinking. If you really analyze it and you really think about what's going on today, all of these anti-American, anti-colonial, um, pro-authoritarian, anti-Christian, anti-Jew, anti-everything, <laughs> it's all from the left. All of it. And yet, in people's minds, the left is progressive. The left is maybe even communist. The left is socialism. The left is good because the left is there for the little guy. And everything on the right is fascist. Everything on the even the conservative side now is, oh, that's very far right wing. That's fascistic. Not that simple. You know, even nationalism is conflated to be Nazism. No. MAGA, Trump, nationalist. Absolutely nationalism. As soon as he came down that escalator and delivered his first speech, I said, that's nationalism. But nationalism does not automatically equate to fascism or Nazism. It means people are proud of the country. It's America first, Canada first. It's putting your country's interests first, as the leader of any country honestly should. If you're the leader of a country, you go into negotiations, you advocate for your country. If you're a citizen of a country, it's only natural that you might be fond of your country. You might love your country. You want your country to prosper and do well. So, of course, you're going to advocate for a pro-Canada, pro-U.S., or if you're Russian, pro-Russian. It's only natural, but that doesn't make you a Nazi. What makes someone a Nazi is what's in their heart. It's what they think. It's how they view others. It's prejudice. It's bigotry combined with a political motive. National socialism, even national socialism is not in itself Nazism, but ethno-nationalism Ethno-socialist nationalism, something predicated on race. Now that's where you start to, to get into the dark areas. That's where it starts to get just a wee bit dangerous. You can love your country. You can fight for your country. You can... Negotiate for your country if the, you're the leader of a country. You can even try to stem the tide of immigration. 
not just based on eth ethnic or even if you wanted to, to 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 stem the tide if you if you're in china you don't want your chinese culture compromised maybe you don't want a whole bunch of people from some other country coming in to change the entire demographic of your country in thousands and thousands of years of your culture i get that i'm not exactly sure why western countries have to have to <laughs> adopt um a policy of diversity is our strength I don't think it's our strength. I've said many times, I think it's our challenge. And I don't necessarily mean that I'm advocating for more immigration. I'm just saying it's a reality we now have to deal with. And it is absolutely a challenge because it's an experiment. And if it's not, if it doesn't work, and it looks like in many respects, we've got some serious problems associated with it. And if it doesn't work, we're in a whole heap of trouble, aren't we? But, you know, it's again, it's not what it's not about being a nationalist. It's not even about what economic system you believe in. I believe in socialism. I believe in free markets. That doesn't make you a Nazi or a communist necessarily, although communism, in my mind, is kind of an economic system and there's economic fascism. But that also does not necessarily make you a Nazi. Not in my mind, not in my definition. And I don't want to get pinned down too much on hard definitions here because that in itself can kind of restrict conversation and flexibility. But this made me think of an interview I watched a while back with Douglas Murray, one of the foremost thought leaders of our time, with Lex Fridman. And, uh, you know, it, uh, he, he's very insightful here. He, he just wrote a book recently called The War on the West. And like me, Douglas Murray sees the threat to the West as coming from the West. Or sorry, the threat to the West, rather, coming from the left. Um, and he also has a warning here that I'm I'm going to run for you where you know if you're out there Nazi spotting you might not be as effective as you, as you think you are you might not you might not be as uh your Nazi radar might not be quite what you think it is because Nazism can come from all sides all different directions and I think that's exactly what we're dealing with here today you're getting some from what people would describe as the far right. Yeah, you got your neo-Nazis kind of over there, and but you're but you're getting a lot of it from the left. They just color their language and twist their words and redefine things and hide behind the, the language. They don't come right out and say, I'm a Nazi. <laughs> That's why the Democrats in the States, and I would say even the liberals in Canada, while they put themselves out there uh, as advocates for the little guy, we're, we're the socialists. We, we're here to help. We're going to help the First Nations peoples. 
and they never kind of live up to their promise right and it's uh it's like this uh what's the phrase the um the racism of low expectations where they give money to black people because they think they're just not capable of fending for themselves or helping themselves. They're just not smart enough. So we're just going to have to help them. That to me <laughs> is closer to what a Nazi is than anything because that's all rooted in prejudice and bigotry. Okay. Oh, you're so stupid. Let me help you. <laughs> right? Here, let me enslave you by giving you this social welfare. You just have to go live in in that little cordoned off area over there and just, you know, just be quiet. We'll just we'll just slip your meals under the door. Okay? Um, here's Douglas Murray saying, be on the lookout for Nazism fascism because it can come from a variety of directions that's always a i looked about, talked about this in my last book in the manners of crowds it's one of the big conundrums in activist movements and particularly in activist academia where would you stop it's not clear because you've got a job in it you've got a pension in it you've got your only esteem in society is in keeping this gig going what, I mean, is is there any likelihood? Have you ever? It's the old academic joke, isn't it? That you know, the end of every conference, the only thing everyone agrees on is that we must have another conference like this one. It's the one yeah. thing they always agree on. This the, conference is going to be so great, we must have another yeah, one. So he's, he's well, that, that's a criticism you now. can apply to a lot of disciplines. Of course, uh, civil engineering, bridge building. It's at a certain point, do we need any more bridges? Can we just fly everywhere? <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, so at the very least, you need to keep the bridges up. Sure, and they, they would. And, uh, critical race theory folks would probably make the same argument. At the very least, we need to keep the racism out. Uh, we we'll have that, to make sure yes. we don't descend into the, uh, the racism. It assumes all the, the time past. that we are living on the cusp of the return of the KKK, right? Which is totally wrong. I mean, well, it's a massive. You say, you say that now until the KKK armies march in. We don't always. We can't always predict the future. We can't always predict the future, and you you can always say you should be careful. But you've also got to be careful of people who've got their timing like totally, totally wrong, or their estimation of the society they're in. You mean totally, like totally most wrong. of society before in the 1930s when Hitler was. I mean, so many people got Hitler wrong. Sure, they did. And so most people. So maybe it was nice to have the alarmist thinking there. Well, beware <laughs> of the man with the mustache. Yes. If only it was that easy. Um, it's not always about facial hair. I Although, mean, I always say that. I mean, one, one <laughs> very often is these two so. clean-shaven chaps both say <laughs> one of the problems of everybody knowing a little bit about Nazism is that they think that they know where evil comes from and that it comes from like a german with a small mustache getting people to goose step for instance and that's not correct a, a much better understanding of it is it can come from all number of directions and keep your antennae as good as you can but 
once you end up in this society, which I would argue certainly parts of America in, where you're always in 1938, that's not healthy for a society either. Where where people are so primed and think they're so well trained because they spent a term in school learning about the Second World War and the Holocaust, think they're so well trained in Hitler spotting that they can do it all the time. Look at all these phrases we now have in our societies, like dog whistle. You know, as I always say, if you hear the whistle, you're the dog. But people say, that's a dog whistle, as if they're highly trained anti-Nazis. I mean, you know, there should be some humility. In it. We, should, we should be careful. We should be wary, for sure. And we should also be slightly humble in our inability to to spot everything. If not significantly humble. Right. So if we can... <laughs> um, there's something um, funny, if not dark, about the the activity of Hitler spotting. Mm. If I just may take an aside. But uh, so critical race theory, mm. how much racism, what is racism? How much of it is in our world today? If we were thinking about this activity of Hitler spotting, how, um, and trying to steel man the case of, mm -hmm. if not critical race theory, but people who, who look for racism in our world, mm. how much would you say? Well, let's, it's a good thing to try to define. I'd say that racism is the the belief that other people are inferior to you you could say you could see a form of it where you thought people were superior to you that could also happen but more commonly is you see a group of, of people as being inferior to you simply by dint of the fact that they have a different racial background and um that's sort of the, the easiest way to define racism uh as I say, I mean, there are types of racism, I mean, mainly anti-Semitism, actually, perhaps it's the only one, which weirdly relies on, on a hatred of people who a certain type of person thinks, thinks are better than them. And that's a particular peculiarity, one of the peculiarities of anti-Semitism. Well, anti-Semitism somehow does both, right? Yes, well, one of the eternal fascinating things about anti-Semitism is it can do, it does everything at the same time. It's like a quantum racism. Yes. They're both superior and inferior. You know that, you do, do you know um, Vasily Grossman's Life and Fate? So in the middle of Life and Fate, um, which a Persian friend of mine always said was one of only two great novels of the 20th century. She was a very harsh literary critic. <laughs> what uh, was the other one? Oh, The Leopard, obviously. The Leopard? The Leopard of uh, Giuseppe de Lampedusa. Yeah. Okay. Um, she's definitely right on that one. Uh, life and fate is is, a, is I'm a, learning so much today. Yes, no, life, life and fate, fate is a, is a um, is a, an extraordinary book, mainly about. We know Grossman was a um, uh, obviously Jewish himself, but he uh, he he saw uh, almost everything that he could have done in the Second World War. He saw Stalingrad, and, you know, who was a journalist, and he he, he wrote firsthand accounts of Stalingrad. He he was also the first journalist into into Treblinka. And his account, which you can read in one of the collections of his journalism, his account of walking into Treblinka is just one of the most devastating, haunting pieces of journalism or prose you can read. Anyhow, I mention him because Grossman, at the, at the in the middle of Life and Fate, which is about a sort of nine hundred page novel, um, in the middle of it, which is about the, the dark axis around Stalingrad, 
uh, he, well, at one point, he amazingly sort of goes into the mind. Okay. We're going to dump out of that. This is, um, I encourage you to go and find that video on the Lex Fridman podcast, his YouTube channel. Watch the whole interview. Douglas Murray, again, one of the great thinkers of our time, a thought leader for sure. And words of wisdom. Because it's not about a uniform. It's not just about a symbol. It isn't just about jackboots. It's about what's in somebody's heart and what's in their head, what they think, how they view others. It's about bigotry, racism, and what kind of actions people want to take based on those beliefs and feelings. That's what we need to be afraid of, wary of, on alert for, on all sides. And there's evil on the other side, too. We've, 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 a lot of history on the communist side as well. But there's a whole lot of death over there, even more. And we need to be aware of that as well. And these days, right now, I feel like there isn't a whole lot of uh, tolerance for me kind of trying to stake out some sort of middle ground because I'm being pulled or pushed to be on this side or that side. And I'm resisting because I see the darkness there and I see the darkness there. And yet I don't really believe that it's there and there. I believe that it's all over here. And freedom is over here. So I'm, I'm actually over here. Not so much in the middle. I'm on the side of freedom. Real, true freedom. And I'm not going to let myself get tricked if I can help it. Not going to let myself get duped into adopting that ideology or that ideology or joining that side or that side, when in reality, they both lead to a very similar, if not the same, dark place. That's where our politics is taking us. So we have to be careful. And I'm not saying that Donald Trump is taking us there. I'm just saying that the mood, the, uh, the reality is out there. And I'm not saying that it's Joe Biden taking us there. Well, <laughs> somebody's taking us there. It's polarization resulting in extremism all the way around. Let's take another break. I'll reconstitute my thoughts while you watch this, and we'll come back after this. Fear not the storm, for truth is on our side. Maverick News. The world is watching.
Jingle bells. Trudeau smells. Biden laid an egg. Klaus Schwab's deal has no appeal. But tomorrow is a brand new day. Hey everyone. Have a merry maverick Christmas. And a magnificent new year. Before he was king, he was prince. And Charles had a one-day job delivering the weather on TV. I didn't know he did this. I watched this, and uh, I found it entertaining. I just wanted to share it with you tonight. I just came across it, and I wanted to, I wanted to bring it to you tonight. It, it made him seem a little more human to me, even though I know these days the royal family and King Charles himself are not, not that popular with a lot of folks. But I, I found it somewhat humorous and even a little bit enlightening. This is uh, 11 years ago. King Charles, then Prince Charles, delivering the weather on BBC television. There he is. Looks like he has a tan. He was probably in Dubai. Looking a little uncomfortable, maybe. He's got his hand in his pocket. Oh, very stiff. Uh, very British. Up class. But uh, let's see how he does here. Delivering the weather. In association with the Met Office, it says here. Okay, here we go. Let's uh, take a look at the weather forecast now. I'm delighted to say we've got a new member of our weather team tonight. Uh, let me hand over to him now. Yes. Well, it's an unsettled picture as we head towards the end of the week. Uh, this afternoon, it'll be cold, wet and windy across most of Scotland. We're under the influence of uh, low pressure and this weather uh, front pushing northwards is bringing cloud and outbreaks of rain. The rain, of course, will be heaviest over the borders and uh, around Edinburgh, where it could lead to difficult conditions on the roads. Uh, in the west, rain will be lighter and patchier. There will maybe a few drier interludes over Dumfries House in Ayrshire. Aha! There'll be snow for the higher ground of the Highlands and Aberdeenshire. The potential for a few flurries over Balmoral. Who the hell wrote this script? Uh, as the afternoon goes on. The best of the drier and brighter weather will, of course, be over the Northern Isles and the far north of the mainland. So a little hazy sunshine for the castle of Maine, Caithness, but a cold day everywhere with temperatures of just eight Celsius and a brisk northeasterly wind. Thank God it isn't a bank holiday. <laughs> Not bad. If he, uh, if he loses his gig as king, maybe he might be able to pick up a a new job as a weathercaster, a meteorologist, a television presenter. Or maybe you could like come on YouTube and do an interview with us. Doubtful. <laughs> but anyway, I just thought he didn't do a bad job delivering the weather. Thought it was kind of funny. Anyway, did you know that NASCAR wants to go to the moon? wants to go racing on the moon. 
It's a, yeah, it's a real thing. Um, they are developing a car, NASCAR, to go to the moon. NASCAR potentially going where no motorsport has gone before, all the way to the lunar surface. They've teamed up with a company called, I think it's Lidos, L-E-I-D-O-S. I've never heard of them before. And I wasn't aware of this, but they've, they've uh, announced a partnership and they could see elements of a future NASA Artemis lunar rover, <laughs> which could contain automotive design, manufacturing, and it could be developed, designed, produced with in part by a team from NASCAR. And they might even put like NASCAR right on this lunar racing machine. <laughs> As you may know, NASA's Artemis program marks the return to the moon for humans. Um, yeah, the United States wants to go back to the moon. And we haven't been there since 1972. But... Uh, Unlike the Apollo program, a lot of what is needed for the Artemis program comes from private contractors. Enter NASCAR, which uh, will help with the uh, development of a vehicle for future astronauts that they could use to travel on the surface of the moon. I've seen designs also from companies like Hyundai. I've seen similar designs for lunar rovers from um, companies in Japan and the Japan space program. Well, they've gone to the, the people who know all about speed, the people at NASCAR in the U S of a. So there's a company there called Dynetics, which is a subsidiary of Lidos and they've submitted a bid for the new lunar Rover. They're calling it a lunar terrain vehicle and NASCAR is part of the whole operation. So this is a partnership that has resulted in the unveiling of a prototype of this lunar race car. <laughs> um, I don't know that racing is really the ultimate objective here, but the, uh, the expertise in team building, the, um, the experience they have in building vehicles I think that's what they're trying to tap into with the, the NASCAR teams, not to mention the fact they've got a strong brand there, which helps on the public relations side. So let me just, uh, we've got some video here to share with you, kind of explain what this thing is all about. Let me bring it up here for you. I'm going to show you this NASCAR Lunar Rover Project. Try and get it up here for you. No, that ain't gonna work. Here we go. Okay. Go over here. Hang on, almost there. I had to go to a different window to get this up. Okay, here we go. NASCAR going to the moon, baby. You ready? I am. Three, two, one, we have ignition. It is a global event. You would dream about moments like this. 
go racing on the moon here's some pictures of it from uh, here's forbes magazine they did a they did a spread on this let's take a look at uh, let's get a gander at some of their nascar lunar rover picks here we go that's what they're thinking it might look like doesn't look like any nascar i've seen before but hey that's okay I don't think it's going to do 200 miles an hour. The good thing about going fast on the moon is it doesn't have to be aerodynamic. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's not a, that's, that's a tank. I'm going to launch that sucker into out, outer space, put her into orbit, then slingshot to the moon, put a crash helmet on and an airtight suit. Put a satellite dish up there on top and uh, beam some rock and roll back and forth from Earth to the moon and back. Pretty cool stuff. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I, what I'd really like to see is I'd like to see him send up a racing team to the moon send up a few of those things and then do like a do a race a race on the lunar surface now that would be a gas i'd like that okay let me take another break i'm not sure how much more news we have to cover tonight so we'll see where we go after we take this quick break don't eat the crickets man they ain't nutritious we are mavericks We say no to the Trudeau and Biden New World Order. And to bugs. Because bugs are creepy and gross. And people should not eat bugs. Maverick News. The world is watching. So I know that um, Pierre Polyev in Canada was uh, has positioned himself to put real pressure now on the liberals, Justin Trudeau, to axe that carbon tax. Um, 
just got this response from MPs. So he's uh, the idea here is that uh, Pierre Polyev and his conservatives have launched what could become an overnight marathon voting session in the House of Commons. They say they'd be making good on their threat to delay the government's agenda over the opposition to the carbon tax. So the conservatives began calling. Now have we got started to call for what uh, could total more than 100 votes on line items from the liberal government's latest spending plans. So following the debate and failed vote on the official opposition's last supply day motion of the season, once again calling for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to scrap the carbon tax, there was a move by members of parliament to consider this latest batch of supplementary estimates for the 2023-2024 year. And that is triggering what could be an estimated 27 straight full ongoing hours of votes. So the liberals are saying this is like grandstanding by Polyev. Um, This is another Mr. Smith goes to Washington moment for Polyev. Remember, what was it when he, he went into the house and he just started to speak and speak and speak and speak and he said he wasn't going to stop? And I don't know how many, how many hours he went on for. It was a long time. Eventually, he did, he did succumb and, and called it quits. But that was like a Mr. Smith goes to Washington moment. This is another one. So tonight, it says they'll be dealing with supply bills. Um, and this is delaying everything for this, for the holidays, for those poor liberals. So tonight we had this before they went into session. So let me just run where we're at with that. This is, where did we go here? Hello, there we are. See, you run the king, and the next thing you know, you're sort of speaking as though you're British. And here, here we are. And we're freezing up. We've frozen. Here we go. So we are going in to vote on uh, supply tonight. Um, we will stand up to the Conservatives and their reckless attempt to bully members of Parliament, but more importantly, their reckless attempt to bully Canadians. I just proposed a motion in there to ensure that we have health breaks uh, for members of Parliament that we would vote until midnight and pick up again at 7 a.m. The Conservatives said no. 
to that. Uh, I think that is something that is inappropriate um, and they should quite frankly be ashamed about. We would continue voting as normal at 7, p at 7 a.m. Um, the things that they are objecting to, support for the RCMP, support for agriculture, support for Canada Border Services Agency. They are proposing cuts in these objections. And then when they're going to vote, most likely, against this, uh, they are going to be opposing supports for Canadians. Mr. Polyev is gaslighting Canadians with this attempt. Uh, and the question is, is if he's actually going to be in the chamber or not, because the Conservative Party of Canada has him scheduled to be doing a fundraiser right now in Montreal. And so here he is yesterday claiming to Canadians that he's going to hold this government to account, that he's going to do these things. Well, let's see if he shows up to vote or not, or whether he's out there raising political funds. Les libéraux vont se tenir debout ce soir pour essentiellement tout ce que le gouvernement... So I'm checking to see if we can pick up a feed out of there, but civile, les, I'm not seeing right at the moment any available feeds from the House. Les libéraux vont se tenir debout pour cela. Les conservateurs, par contre, vont voter contre systématiquement, donc définancer l'ensemble du gouvernement. Mr. Polyev is putting in some cases, elderly members of parliament, in some cases, ill members of parliament through circumstances that no human being should have to go through. We are projecting up to 30 straight hours of voting. All of these votes are confidence votes and liberals will express their vote confidently. Mais cela dit, personne ne devrait avoir à voter pendant le tour de l'horloge. Personne ne devrait avoir à subir ce genre d'harcèlement et acharnement de la part du chef de l'opposition. D'autant plus, d'autant plus que M. Poiliev, qui s'est dit, bon, prêt à... Well, you don't need to know English to know what he's saying. Au gouvernement, the French, rather. I can tell you that he's like, Pierre Poiliev is being a jerk. Dans l'exercice de leur fonction. Donc, euh, We don't want to have to sit in there for 30 straight hours and vote. acharnement par quelqu'un qui... Des risques avec la oui, santé de l'ensemble des parlementaires et l'ensemble du personnel qui appuie les parlementaires, les gardes de sécurité, les no l'administration de la Chambre, <rire> les techniciens et j'en passe. Euh, et nous trouvons ça absolument inacceptable. Of the Republican Party attempting to shut down the government. And that's precisely what Mr. Polyev is bringing is. to Canada, and that is precisely what he is attempting to do tonight. It's what he attempted to do at the Natural Resources Committee last night. It's what he's threatened to do at other committees. But this is specifically because he is leading the charge when it comes to that extreme right-wing agenda that is all about shutting down the government, holding back vital supports to Canadians, making it harder for Canadians day by day, and we will stand up to him, and we will keep standing up for Canadians. And we'll keep on spending and keep on attacking. 
On devrait se tenir debout. No fair. Exactement ce que nous faisons. Les députés libéraux, les députés d'NPD, du Bloc québécois, hier tous au comité de ressources naturelles, a essayé et a vraiment. We wanted to like spend more money and buy more votes. Pousser ce qui voulait faire les conservateurs parce qu'ils étaient ici pour travailler pour les Canadiens et pas jouer les jeux des conservateurs et de Monsieur Poliev. Alors, on va démontrer aux Canadiens c'est quoi être une députée qui respecte les institutions démocratiques et on va démontrer ce qui fait les conservateurs et les encouragés de reconsidérer ce qu'ils maintenant parce que c'est pas mal de Paulie wasn't the leader then, so I'm crossing my fingers and hoping for the best. From that guy. No fair. That's my translation again. Alors, je vais être là pour se tenir debout pour mes concitoyens, mais les conservateurs ont une opportunité d'appuyer no la santé des députés, mais aussi la santé de tout le monde He's qui travaille again. Parce que quand They've got a real opponent in Polyev. He's, he's a smart, smart guy. Aussi. Il n'y a pas une, uh, un droit de travail dans le pays où uh, on requiert ce type d'environnement de, de pour les employés et c'est les conservateurs qui le font. Certainly, I mean, we're in conversation on a daily basis, but the conservative leader has decided that, you know, he, um, you know, he would rather uh, disrespect Parliament, he would rather try to obstruct than actually deliver for Canadians. As I said, he is gaslighting Canadians in how he is behaving and treating them uh, and not telling them the full truth about what he is attempting to do. But as Liberals, as New Democrats, as Bloc, as Green MPs, we're all here to work for Canadians. Unfortunately, the Conservatives are only here to obstruct and we're going to have to go in to vote to make sure that we keep the government going and we keep delivering for Canadians. Thank you. Ultimately, what are the results of this for parliamentary business? Like at the end of the day, what kind of delays are we going to see? What kind of stuff is maybe not going to get done that would have gotten done otherwise? Like big picture. Yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry because we we don't want to miss the vote. <laughs> But, but look at the yeah. bills on the order paper all of those are yeah. being installed affordable housing affordable groceries climate change the future of jobs in canada the canada ukraine free trade agreement chemical weapons sanctions against countries like russia uh there uh, there's you know a whole bunch of legislation that is at risk because of the games that they're playing we have to go vote yeah thank you Merci. Okay. That's the way she went. With the Conservatives, they have put with intelligence artificial 21,000 amendments. I'm sorry. I apologize to all our American viewers for all the French. I know that the vast majority of you do not speak French. It's Canada. It's what we do. C'est évaporé dans cinq minutes. Ça a pris cinq minutes de tout effacer ces 21 000 <rire> amendements. Alors, on voit que le blocage des conservateurs, ça n'a pas vraiment du sens et, et ce n'est pas efficace. Mm. 
Puis je déplore aujourd'hui que qu ce qu'ils font, c'est de faire travailler toutes les So they'll be in there for a long time from the looks of it. Still ongoing. And uh, I do not have a feed out of there tonight. At the moment, anyway. But uh, if this goes as Polyev plans, they'll be there till this time tomorrow and then beyond. So we're not going to obviously follow that in its entirety anyway. So yesterday we saw with the conservatives, they had 21,000 artificial intelligence amendments paid for by taxpayers uh, that uh, at the Natural Resources Committee, because they were badly done. Uh, basically were all eliminated in five minutes. So 21,000 amendments disposed of in five minutes because the conservatives hadn't thought through things. They did use a, an, an enormous amount of taxpayers' resources, and it was for a five-minute delay. And tonight we're seeing what they're trying to do is force all the hardworking folks in the House administration, people give their lives to preserving democracy and our parliament, make them work all night, rather than to have some kind of negotiated, uh, more sensible approach uh, that would not involve working all night. Mr. Polyev is absent. He doesn't have the courage to be here in the House at the same time as he is obliging his members of Parliament to vote all evening. So I deplore his tactics, and it's not really even clear what he's trying to get at. It's just um, conservatives blocking things uh, for the sheer delight of blocking Parliament. Comment est-ce qu'on fait maintenant pour élever Maybe le débat? Comment est-ce qu'on fait pour tax. régler cette situation-là? Est-ce qu'on en discute? Est-ce qu'il y a des négociations? Parce que depuis hier, le comité, on sent que la tension Des conservateurs veulent tout bloquer. Ça, c'est leur objectif. Pour nous, euh, au MPD. Anyway, enough. You got the idea. 21,000 amendments and generated how? Artificial intelligence. What did I talk about last night? Artificial intelligence having an impact on our political system. And there's just a kind of a almost benign impact, but still an impact. Just thinking up a way to use AI to their advantage. Human beings couldn't produce stuff that quickly, but there you have 21,000 amendments. And uh, the liberals and NDP had to uh, had to address that in a human way, and they're still addressing it tonight. So, uh, artificial intelligence changing the landscape in ways that I think that people maybe hadn't even thought of or predicted. And there it is for you, just tonight, in a fair way. To be sure, not an illegal or sinister way, but yeah, it just shows you how you can use artificial intelligence and how technology influences, changes things, right? Marshall McLuhan, the medium is the message. So they're delivering a pretty strong message in the House tonight using a strategy that is based on material produced with artificial intelligence. Anyway, let's go to the phones, shall we? Enough of me blabbering on about all this stuff. Let's get you guys to chime in on this. Let's take a break while I set up the phones. And when we come back, you guys can join the conversation.
Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, I'm almost there. And just a reminder that if you are able to, if you're inclined to support the show, you can do that by donating at maverickdonations.com or at freedomreporters.com. Please like, share, subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe over on Rumble. That's our main growing platform. We're on a bunch of other ones now, too. Um, sometimes I'm broadcasting live now on Wimkin. Um, we're uploading to Cloud Hub. We got a bit of a following over there. We have Huge Tube Bit Shoot. We're on Facebook when sort of they throttle the heck of it out of us there. We're on uh Twitter, Twitch. We upload over there. Odyssey. I it's a weird platform, Odyssey. But anyway. Yeah, like, share, subscribe. Make sure you hit the notification bell if you subscribe on YouTube, where we are running tonight on our main Maverick News channel um, and our secondary channel. And I have a tertiary channel, a third channel as well, but we're not running there tonight. Um, but that's another one where we're going to try and build that one up too. So, yeah, just like, share, subscribe. Hit the notification bell. And donate if you are able to. And uh, you can also donate through the Rumble Rants. And yeah, you can subscribe over there too, which would certainly help us out a lot. Uh, we are going to go to the phones here in just a moment. I am just in the process of finishing the setup there so you guys can join the conversation. And I am setting up a new phone system. So in the days ahead, hopefully, I can figure out how to make it all work technically. Um, so we have a, a more efficient phone system set up. But for now, we'll keep on doing it the way we've been doing it from the beginning. And let me bring up the phone number for you to call. You can join the conversation at 1-833-975-3733. And I will have that phone system up and running momentarily. So give it about 60 seconds, maybe two minutes. And start to call, and I'll be ready on the other side. Exile The Knights of Malta, Maverick News. Join us. The world is watching. Okay. Phones are set up, ready to take calls. And you can join the conversation at that number on the screen. And I'll run the full promo to reinforce. Join the conversation. Call 1-833-975-3733. That's 1-833-975. Free. 
Speak up. Speak out. Make your voice heard. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom by defending your right to free speech. Be a Maverick. Join us. get right to it with the man himself hello sir how are you tonight mr rick i lied to everybody in the chat i said i wasn't calling it tonight but you can't hold me back once i start i'm going off i'm going off like a rocket ship i'm going off like uh we should send those transgenders to uh the moon for a drag race in those cars <laughs> If you go on YouTube, uh, I just got a message and I watched it anyways. Uh, CP24. Yeah. Edmonton. See what Danielle Smith's up to. Oh, I had a clip. And this is her. the way democracy. Yeah. I had This that. is the way democracy, democracy should be, folks. Plain and simple. Yeah. If we got to go and vote on every little fucking thing in this country, like immigration, how about housing, how about money to Ukraine or fucking anywhere, so be it. Right? Play that video if you got it. Let the people see it. Um, are you talking about the one with their Zoom call? Your Zoom thing? No. No? Oh, okay. No, uh no, they're going they're gonna go to the polls, like a little referendum. Okay. On the uh for CPP, the Canada Pension Plan. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. gonna let the people vote. You know, how, how difficult is it? You let the people vote. Let them vote on everything. I'm sick and tired of having people speak on our behalf. Okay, when you have a minority government speaking uh, for all Canadians, first off, you're a minority government. Mm -hmm. Second half, you're speaking for a fucking minority government, not for the majority. So when he sits there and says, I'm speaking on behalf of all Canadians, well, keep my name out of your fucking mouth. Because you're not speaking for me or my friends, right? So that's a little bit off topic, but I thought I'd go there anyways with you. And uh, if you find it, it's a quick watch, it's a short video. Yeah, I don't have that one. I had the the other one where she was um, holding Trudeau and actually Stephen Guibault, the environment minister, accountable for what they did at COP28, um, saying that they were really infringing on the provincial jurisdiction by um, making more promises on climate change at COP28 without consulting the provinces because we're supposed to have an equal partnership um, between provinces and the federal government in this country. And the government in Ottawa is not respecting that. Okay, uh, where would you like to look, Rumble or uh, YouTube? I'm on both. I'll send you the link. Link and sure. post it up. Okay. YouTube? Sure. Yep. Okay, there, there's the link. Okay, are you in the private chat or the... Uh, no, you're in, in the main chat, I guess. Over on... I'm where? in the main chat with 22,000 22, people or whatever. I can send it in the Rumble chat, all the things, too. That's okay. I'll find it over here. 
just have to open the right window. There we are. Well, this is this is how simple politics should be for everybody. When it comes down to a big decision, especially like the CPP or, like I said, immigration or the housing crisis or the uh, the, the drug crisis, okay, it should be up to the people. This is how easy it is. Play that clip. I don't have the. I don't see in the chat there, Leo. Um, oh, I'm in the chat. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Just I'm not seeing it on my feed because okay. I have because I have multiple feeds coming in, right? Yeah. So um, that's a YouTube chat. I could set it on Rumble. Yeah, I put it up on the in the Rumble. Here chat. it is in I'll Rumble. Find it in there. Okay. okay right I got there. you. There. I'm getting pretty good with this computer shit for being somebody who only likes computers when I'm getting paid to use them. <laughs> no, we don't want that one. We want, I think that's the feed there. There it is. Okay, here we go. Alberta is set to let residents decide whether they want the province to leave the Canada Pension Plan. The Conservative-led legislature is set to pass a bill setting out a referendum on the decision. Opposition NDP leader Rachel Notley says the bill gives the government wide latitude to act regardless of the referendum and says pension funds will be at risk. Premier Danielle Smith's government rejected amendments which would have compelled the government to abide by the referendum's results. Oops, hang on, I took you out of the feed. This simple yet brilliant trick to heat your home in 90 seconds will save thousands of dollars on your heating bill this winter. Uh, An ingenious way to heat your home without wasting money is is sweeping the market by storm in Canada. A clever student from Canada, the University of Toronto, just (laughs) destroyed the billion dollars heating industry Uh by... (laughs) Whatever. There, that one's gone. Okay, got rid of that. There you go. Well, it's as simple as that. Right when it comes down to big decisions, and you got these minions that are running the show, they uh, making those decisions. It's you know they're only looking out for their best interest, Rick. Right, uh, I really like what Rami. You know what? He'd make a great vice president. That uh, Rami, Rami, Vivek Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's him. Okay. He's, he's got his talking he's, points down. You, yeah. He, He's a great speaker. He is. Okay, and he's saying everything that the people want to hear. Yep. Okay, they're sick and tired of fucking this immigration, Texas, all of them, right? People just walking across the border and this and that, right? He'd yeah. make a great vice president, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, with Trump's age, who knows? Maybe he could slide in. Trump's getting older, right? He could he could die in office. Yeah, so, you, you know, know <clears throat> um, Especially if he serves two more terms, you know how old he would be? He'd be like, he'd be pushing 90. Yeah. At the end of another eight yeah, years. Yeah, but his mind's pretty good for his age. Oh, yeah. For his, his age right now, his mind's, his mind's pretty good. So you never yeah. know. That's right. He might be in better shape than Joe Biden at 90, right? So he could well but be. But what he had to say about Haley is right. Okay. The corruption. You know, yeah. she claimed bankruptcy. How in the hell is she a fucking millionaire already? And it happens all it's happening over here in Canada. Open your eyes, guys. Yeah, she was squirming. Oh, so you hear stage. that buzz? Yeah. Yeah, you hear you hear that buzzer? Yeah. In the background? That's Jabba Dabba Doo time. <laughs> okay. Okay. And if that... you watch the Flintstones, Fred Flintstones, Yabba Dabba Doo, and the buzzer goes, that's my lunch break. Oh, good for you. 
that's the, yeah. So with that being said, get to your next caller. But I thought that would be uh, interesting. Uh, okay, what Alberta is up to, right? Yeah, and it's not easy. Thank you, sir. Simple. Appreciate that's the democracy. Call. Democracy is let the people decide. All right. Thank you, Leo. Appreciate your call, my friend. And bye-bye. Let's roll this again. You can call and join the conversation at one 973 Join the conversation. Call 1-833-975-3733. That's 1-833-975-FREE. Speak up. Speak out. Make your voice heard. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom by defending your right to free speech. Be a Maverick. Join us. Greetings brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others. Out. Of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. individuals. Defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech. Free speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. Okay, Mavericks, let's go back to the phones. Here's our next caller. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hello, sir. How are you? I am fine. Is this Chris? Yes, it is. How are you tonight? Outstanding. How are you, Chris? Not too bad. We had a beautiful dumping of snow last night, about 15 centimeters. And the day before that, it was like 15 above outside. (laughs) But it's actually it was actually a beautiful snow, and a lot of it was melting today because it's really warm. But yeah. it sure made the Christmas spirit feel a bit better. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah well, it makes it makes the uh, light it makes the lights look prettier when yeah. there's snow on the ground, right? Till it turns to slush. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's kind of doing that already on the yeah. roads and stuff. But that's okay. I don't mind. It can do that on the roads. Um, yeah, so I was listening to your conversation last night there with that, um, is it Alex? Was that her name yes, that called yes, in? Yes, Alex, yeah. Yeah, that was very, that was really sad to hear her 
in the state that she's in. And, you know, yeah. it, it's just so many that are in that state. And it, it, it's hard to believe that a prime minister could bring people to that point. To tears. Yeah, like, like I really felt bad for her last night. It's terrible. Like uh, Alex I mean, is not alone. <laughs> Alex is not. Oh, alone. I know. I can imagine these days. Well, like when you just played, uh, um, like when uh, Pierre called out Trudeau there yesterday. I don't know if you saw that video about he was gonna, you know, run all these, make them vote all night and stuff. Yeah. And then uh, that lady that was on, I, I literally, she just makes, she actually makes me sick. She's worse. I think she's worse than Freeland. <laughs> I don't know. Or she's the same. Or she's the same. I don't know. They're they're all in the, they're all in the same kettle. You know what Mr. I mean? They're just... <laughs> yeah, Mister Speaker. Oh God, that makes me ill. Um. So, uh, did you see um the PM that got ousted yesterday in the house? The PM that got ousted in the house. Are they? Are they? Are they? Yeah. Um, Damien the Kirk. MP or the or, PM is prime minister. Uh, what? What? Are you, no. Um, the the MLAs or MPs or whatever they're called, in the ones which, that go sit in the house and talk. Okay. Well, it depends if it's depends on which province or is it federal. Okay. Well, it's federal, so it was a, it was um, an member Alberta M, 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 member of parliament by the name of Derry, Damien Couric, who's out of the Battleford uh, area of Statler, uh, Statler area, all that area. Yeah. He uh, called out Trudeau yesterday and told, told Trudeau he was a liar and everything, and then the House Speaker wanted him to say he was sorry, and Damien said, no, I will not apologize to this liar and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, he had to leave the house for the day anyways. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just so, it's a gong show when they're in that house. Like, really, and if the liberals think we feel sorry for them, what Pierre is doing, I think is actually kind of funny. You know, Why that's, not screw their holidays up? that is exactly it. You know, like, <laughs> as, as much as Alex was upset yesterday, you know what you have to do with these guys is, you have to laugh. <laughs> yeah, you do. So much of it is just ridiculous. Cause it, cause it, it, well, it's just like, it, it's it's a big drama show. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's, yeah. it's like the world's a big stage right now. Yep. And we're all, the you know, we're all sitting there watching it. And I understand how she feels because there's lots of times I don't get to the point where I'm crying, but I get to the point that I'm so angry. You know? mm. <laughs> like, it's a good thing you're not standing in front of me kind of thing. Yeah. But then you just got to step back and go, you know what? He's going down the polls every day more and more. I don't know how much longer it can go on. Like, I mean, at what point in the polls do they have to call an election? Like, how far down does he have to go? Well, the polls don't. Before something has to change. Polls are just a gauge. They don't bind anything. But there is that petition and that has been formally introduced or is about to be formally introduced, I guess. Um in the in the house they have over i think two hundred thousand signatures already with people calling for a vote of no confidence and then if that petition goes forward and is presented to parliament with those signatures on it and people can still sign it you can find it on the government website um 
then the, the, yeah, the petition calls. Yeah, the 24th or something, isn't Yeah, it? they want uh, an election 45 days after that. Now, the petition just applies public pressure. It's not binding again, but it still carries some right. weight because it'll get more attention. And if uh, the government doesn't respond to something like that with that many signatures on it, then, you know, just it's just going to erode his support even more. So it, it certainly can't hurt to go sign right. it if you want an election. I, I actually already did sign it. Oh, um, there you go. How many, so how, many how many how many signatures do you think that, that that have to be on there before they'll actually acknowledge it though? I don't think there is any particular number. I think it still comes down to whether oh. you know Trudeau um you know, he doesn't have to call a vote of no confidence just because there's a petition. He doesn't have to. He could. It depends. No. It depends on, you know, Paul Yev is a pretty sharp cookie, right? So maybe he can uh, I know. <laughs> use that to leverage a vote somehow or put more pressure on to, to get a vote of confidence in the in the House that could turn into a vote well, of no I, confidence. I just, oh, I'm really hoping that the new year will change something. Like, well, <laughs> I don't think Canadians can take I don't think we can take another year of this, Rick. See, that, that's right, because like, that's oh what that God. petition will do, actually, Chris, is it will put more pressure on Trudeau <laughs> because there is pressure from within his own party now for him to resign. We know that. So right. there are people positioning themselves to become the next leader already. We're seeing that. And as we've been reporting here sometime early in the new year, he is expected to resign if he doesn't improve in the polls because he's down so low. Yeah. So he'll get pressure from within oh, his I own know. party, right? That's that's really where the pressure comes from. From the public. Wow. Then, you, yeah, they, yeah, his own people will want to get rid of him. Do you have any idea? Have you looked at the latest polls? I haven't seen anything lately to see if he's fallen anymore from November. Have you seen anything? Well, um, we did about a week ago show what the polling was in the 338. And the conservatives were way out in front. Um, they had, what was it? Nationally, yes. They're down a little, no, that's Quebec. So nationally, it was like conservatives had like almost 45% or something. And then the rest was split oh. up, right? So they were way out in front, almost oh, wow. double what the uh, the liberals have. Which was a big change because oh, wow. even just a month ago they were still neck in neck, and now not so much. Yeah, no. And every day I'm sure they fall even more because every day he does something to piss people off. It never yeah. fails yeah. every every single day. Yeah. But anyways, uh, what I was going to say was so <laughs> you were reading that story last night, and I was actually in tears. That was actually pretty funny. That grandma oh, reading to yeah, that little yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was hilarious. <laughs> you imagine? I, I couldn't even imagine rhyming that over and over again. I was laugh. I was la lost after the second page. But um, have you ever watched? Did you ever watch Mr. Bean? Oh yeah, I used to watch him all the time. Okay, so the other night on TV, they had Mr. Bean's Christmas on. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's the one where he puts his, that's the one where he puts his head in that big turkey and then his girlfriend <laughs> comes to the door. <laughs> that is hilarious. And I encourage anybody to 
to watch that if they want to laugh because yeah. it is because you know how he doesn't talk, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. The, there's the poll actually. That I've is got it up hilarious. So I'm, I've got that poll up for you. Yeah? Conservatives okay. are forty percent. Public support liberals are at twenty five. Oh wow! And the NDP twenty. Oh. The Bloc oh, wow. Québécois seven. The Greens at five, and the PPC at three. So wow. Yeah. Have you have you ever seen the Liberal Party that low before? I have. Yeah. I have. Wow. But uh, wow. Yeah. And you know, and, and these things can change <laughs> yeah. like, quickly, right? Like look what happened to the Liberal Party. Yeah. You know, in these past elections. Like they 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 lost party status at one point. So they're trying to rebuild now. So yeah. um Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I and I really enjoyed that guy you just had on earlier there. Um, I didn't get his name, the one in the States there that was calling that woman out. <laughs> he, he was really she didn't know what to say, did she? She just like Oh, he, Vivek he's Ramaswamy. telling it like it is. Yeah, Vivek. Yeah, like Nikki they're, Haley. Yeah, they're. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't well, know you know what? what? And it's good. She, no, no, she didn't. And the others kept kept trying. Well, that's enough. That's enough. But he just kept going on. But you know what? <laughs> I'm glad that pe- they're they're waking up now and they're actually speaking out. It, yeah. it, it, it's about time. Yep. Like like Pierre is standing up more and more. To Trudeau now, like he's he, he I think he's even tired of the game. Like oh, yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's a good thing. So yeah. anyway, that's all I call, called in for tonight. Was I just felt sorry for that girl, and I hope she's doing okay tonight. Yeah. And yeah. like I said, if she's listening, if she's listening, watch watch Mr. Bean's Christmas. That'll give you a good laugh for the night. That's right. Or or uh, what's that other a National Lampoon? Christmas to me, that's not Christmas until I watch that. So that should be coming oh, on pretty, pretty soon. You, you know what though? <laughs> yeah. I saw this. I saw this story today about Tim Allen, and they're they're coming after Tim Allen. You know, Tim Allen's okay. kind of a conservative, right? And so there's this story. I'll show right. you. I think I've got it actually queued up. Here it is, okay. right here. No, that's the. Here it is. Here. Okay. <laughs> so there's the Tim Allen story. I'm going to bring it up on the screen for you. Uh, get rid of the poll, and I'll bring up Tim Allen. And I thought this is despicable. What's going on here? Um, this actress, Casey Wilson, calls Tim Allen out in this. She says Casey Wilson calls Tim Allen a bitch. Says working with him on the Santa Claus's movies was the single worst experience she's ever had with a co-star. I thought, well, what is the What's good about doing a story like that after all this time? And what is the purpose? And you know what I think it is? Yeah. It's that he's a conservative. And if you, and it's anti Christmas, it's yeah. anti Tim Allen. It's like, so she says here, yeah. yeah. In the latest episode of Bitch Sesh podcast, the Happy Endings <laughs> alum refers to her time acting opposite Allen as the single worst experience she's ever had with another actor. So, of course, let's, let's, let's give this a lot of profile, right? Oh. So it's terrible. Like if you're yeah, a conservative, oh they're coming for you at some point. Those those guys. Oh. But wow. Anyway. Well, because they're all demented. I hate to say it, but they're all demented. I don't even know what to say anymore. So well, like, as Michael Savage would always say, liberalism yeah. is a mental disorder. Trudeau. Well, and like Trudeau talking about was it in the house the other a couple of days there was about 
a white Christmas. Who who's he gonna blame it on if we don't have a white Christmas? Us? Is that kind of what he said? Or I can't remember how right. he said that. But I thought, what an art. Like that <laughs> like honest to God. Or oh, something about Christmas isn't racist or I don't know. Well it's the Human of, Rights Commission came out and like, said that now we're that, now we're that, picking on Yeah, the Human Rights Commission in Canada came out and said that Christmas is and uh, an expression of colonialism and racism. And so they've, you know, like, what the heck oh. is that? And, and anti and religious religion intolerance. No, the human rights oh. commission is intolerant of Christianity. Yeah. They've got yeah, all no kidding. Down, like oh everything else God. these days. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, situation, not normal, all left up. No, it's got, every day it gets weirder and weirder. Like you said, it's yep. just, bizarre <laughs> and like you said you can't make this stuff up you know what i'm saying it's just it's so insane i yeah. i don't know i don't know where it's all gonna end but something better change in the new year for all of us it's even in the to. state it's got to it's gonna, it's gonna heat, same thing. but this coming year it's gonna change but it's also gonna heat up because the environment yeah. is just oh, the yeah. way it is right so don't expect it to get better yeah. right away it's gonna probably get worse no. in the new year because we're into elections um and serious elections and so just brace yourselves and don't get upset just laugh about it because it will be ridiculous and just try i say just try not to get caught up in playing their game by their rules we need to rethink Mm -hmm. things and strategize and exactly that's how we're yeah oh for sure yeah yeah that's all we can do but i mean there's a lot of people that have already like you said there's there's so far down that you know, you can only wish them the best and try to encourage them the best you can, right? Like, I mean, especially and especially at Christmas time because it's not, you know, it's a lot of people. It's not a good time at Christmas for a lot of people. That's right. Speaking it's a really of which, hard what time. happened? Like my with brother, your... my brother. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, w- I was wondering what happened with your bank account because you had that issue with the money, and did you get refunded on the the fraud? Oh yeah, no. No, no, I never got it back because uh, I called called the fraud department twice. And you know what they said? Because it was on a debit visa, they basically said, well, you gave them authorization to order the stuff. They said they deposited you back the money. I said, yeah, but they didn't give me back the whole thing. And then they went and took it back out again. And you know what she basically said to me? It's your dime because you were the one that gave out the information. It's more of a spam than it is fraud. Um, but they didn't deliver the goods. Yeah, and I'm going exactly. I said I never got the goods, but they said it's still spam, and that's what's happening to a lot of people right now. Is it's not fraud; it's spam because you initiated them to use the debit card in the first place. So basically, the bank saying it's your fault. How much money are we talking? So after about numerous fights to them. Well, we're only talking about $56. We're not talking about lots and lots, but you know, $56 to me is a lot of money. Right. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that was that week that, that was the week it cleaned me right out, <laughs> you know? So yeah. So after numerous fighting with the bank, it's basically, and I've heard some other stories from some people around town today that the banks are saying, you, you approve it. It's spam. And it's, it's not our problem. So I don't know what they're, I don't know what the difference between spam and fraud is if they're still getting into your bank account. Like they won't anymore because I've changed a lot of things, but 
I'm just, I don't, like, why are you pushing that back on me? Like, oh, so basically don't, don't use your credit cards. Don't use your debit card. Like what? Like, <laughs> what well, did you give them? Make did, sense. You give like, them a, did you give them a pin number? No, it was just the, it was just the debit, the debit card part, like the number on the front of the card. Like I said, so it was a visa, and then obviously a that's visa, it, like a one-time church thing. Well, well, yeah, no. So what it is is the debit cards that I have have a visa on it. Okay, so you can buy stuff online. It's like a visa card, only it's a debit visa. So the money comes out instantly. Like if you are going to a point of sales yeah. and using it. Yeah. So when you do it online and you give them that number then that's like a point of sale and then they're into your account getting, taking their money. So it, it's not like a visa where it might take a little bit longer to go through. I don't know. I don't have, I don't, I don't have credit cards. I don't know. But, I just, I don't understand why you aren't protected to some degree, because if, even if you charge something on a yeah. charge card or a credit card, if the goods aren't delivered, then, and there's a paper trail on that, then you are entitled to a charge back. Yeah. So yeah. the credit and card that's exactly company what I, should she said, charge it back. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's not a credit card company. It's it's a it, it's not like it it's not like it was an American Express card or something like that. It's a debit visa. So basically, they're saying you used your own money to pay for it, which I did because it was a debit kind of, card. Yeah, it's the but then they're saying well, you never got the. It's like giving them cash. right. So you never got the goods. Right, and then and you never, never got the goods. And I so never, then they, I never they, they gave, like that. Yeah, I never yeah, and you know what? Like I no. yeah, I well, I've changed everything now. There, there's, I mean, there's just there's no way they can get in. I mean, if they do, then they've actually hacked into the account. But yeah, after you know numerous hours of fighting with the bank, I was really, really frustrated. <laughs> I can tell you that. So just you know, buyer beware, and the, the banks will. Try to put it back on you. It's your fault. You ordered it. Well, how was I going to know that was going to happen, right? Well, how do you know? Yeah. See, I I don't I would right? I don't use a card like that. I've never used one for a variety of reasons, and um, yeah. I guess we all need to educate ourselves on what the best ways to protect ourselves yeah. online, right? But um, I understand why yeah. people get get scared yeah. when you hear stuff like that, but. You know, there are other things you can do to protect yourself if you're engaging in an online transaction. So that's very disappointing to hear. Right. That. Well, it is. It was very disappointing. A lot of people are saying you should just go buy like a like a visa, like a gift card kind of thing and use that because then it's only a one time use. Mm -hmm. But I don't even know. I don't use those cards. So I don't know and how safe that is either. That's like giving them cash, too, because you don't really have chargeback provisions, I don't think, on a on a transaction like that. No. So yeah, no, no, you know, you, because if you use like a credit it, card, it, if you use a credit card, then that's on credit. And then if they don't deliver the goods, yeah. then the credit card company will initiate a charge back on your behalf. And then they take the money back right. from the yeah. place where they, right. Where they took the money. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah. So I guess I just had, you know, uh, a lesson learned for me. I mean, 
you know, yeah, what can you do, right? I mean, I'm not going to sit, I, I mean, you can only argue so long with them and then you just say, well, I just give up because, you know, you're you're also talking to someone that doesn't talk English very well, so it's, it's mm-hmm. 10 times harder to try to talk to them. Well, I have doesn't a, help the yeah, situation. I have a story that I think I'm going to yeah. share as long as I get all of my information correct and straight about a, a fraud operation. It's called spear phishing, and uh, they targeted me, okay. and they came after me in the past oh. week, and I've got a whole bunch of information Uh-oh. about that. So one of these nights, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, when I get it all laid out, I'm going to share that information okay. with everybody here to show you the kinds of sophisticated things that are being done online to target you, um, to target all of well, us, right? Uh, to, and and well, to be aware because this is really sophisticated. It could have, I saw it and at first I was like, is this legit? I was suspicious. And so as soon as you're suspicious of anything, just err on the side of caution. Yeah. But I played along for a couple of days with them. And they kept trying. They're still trying oh. to get information. So I'll sh- I'll show you what they do. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I, I uh, uh, the W five did a story on it. So if you go on to a website and you really want to check to make sure, because like you said, it's so sophisticated that even people that are high tech can get get caught in it now, mm-hmm. right? So they yep. said what they do is so when I. So when I ordered off of this site that said Marshalls, which is part of winners and that, right? I thought it was that. They said, go to Google, type in Marshalls, and then put the scam beside it. And it'll bring you up all the websites right. for them that are scammed. That's right. So that's, a, that's a, you know, before you go ordering anything, do that. Yes. And then you'll know. If it comes up scam, don't do it because, yeah. Anyways, Rick, I'll let you get on to your next caller if you have yeah, one. And I uh, just... Uh, We'll talk to you later. Thank you, Chris. Always a pleasure. See ya. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, here's Susie. Oh, no, I think it's Choosy. Thanks, Susie. How are you tonight? How you doing? Excellent. How are you, sir? You over your your cold? Yeah, it wasn't so much a cold. It was like a terrible headache, and I just was just not feeling well for a day. But I'm much better now, thanks. Yeah, all kinds of uh, geomagnetic storm energy coming in, and it's going to be worse on the 9th, so it's not over yet. Um, I'm all right. I I was kind of hoping more was going to happen this week, uh, both with the Million Lawyer March and uh, with Mr. Buckley coming back. Any word on what happened to him? He went, um, he was. He that confirmed that he was going to do the interview with us, and then, but apparently he was going away. So he's gone, I think, into the mountains someplace for a week, and he might be back. I, I expect to hear back from him in the next day or two. So we should get. Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I and and the Million Lawyer March uh, was talking about comparing and contrasting. Uh, Nuremberg with carnations and that didn't happen that I'm aware of either I was kind of like had my you know radar (laughs) working to see if anything developed with that Mm -hmm. but uh, so far it's been kind of a yeah it seems like everybody's in recovery mode but I figured I'd uh, go ahead and call in and just wish everybody uh, you know 
fortitude <laughs> to hang in there. And I'm really excited about the T-shirts. Uh, Me too. I know Dragon was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't have them yet, to, but I expect maybe. any day. Uh, he's had the order in there, and he's yeah, he's just really busy. The guy that does the shirts. So any day, any day, anything at all. Anything at all to to hang on to and look forward to is appreciated at this point. And um, uh, that's basically all I wanted to say. Uh, I don't really have anything new. I'm kind of low affect today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but things things could be worse. Oh, I called. I uh, I caught the the uh, English. Uh, Boris Johnson citizens inquiry this morning after being up all yeah. night and I'm sitting in front of my tablet and that thing comes on. Yep. I saw that too. <laughs> and I was like the only, I was like the only one in the chat and man, I let them have it, Rick. And I checked and it's the telegraph and they posted it with the chat. So you can see. Oh, that's cool. Good for you. <laughs> it is kind of cool. And I was like, it was one of those synchronicity moments. But that's that's the thing, peeps. When we're feeling like a little low and disconnected, you never know what's right around the corner. Well, they so just do the give, best give, you can. Yeah, give me your take on what you saw with Boris Johnson. They had him on the hot seat again today, explaining his role and the government's response to the pandemic. What, what did you make of that? Oh, he's playing defense big time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, you're not going to hear any of these folks mention the Jesuit order or the Knights of Malta. That's not going to happen. And, you know, he's just, he's, uh, he's, he's just wiggling like a, like a worm up there. Mm -hmm really you know it's hard to watch so i have to keep myself busy in the chat <laughs> yeah and, he, he was know, squirming in like that seat today the, i watched some of it this morning as well yeah yeah what 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 other platforms was it on besides the telegraph that's because i just jumped in the first thing i saw that was on but uh you know there's a bunch of ladies sitting there looking at their laptops Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I hope I'm getting through to a few of them. <laughs> you know, that was a government committee he was testifying in front of. And uh, um, I'm not exactly sure what all the logistics are surrounding that or the, the particulars. But um, I know that he'd been on the stand at least a couple of days. Uh, might be back tomorrow. I'm not sure. Do you know if he's coming back tomorrow for more or if they're moving on to somebody else? I didn't. I, I didn't catch, I know that this was day two and I didn't catch day one, apparently. And I just, you know, it was happenstance, uh, synchronicity that I just slotted in right at the beginning of this day two. And I was like, what? Boris Johnson, is this live? Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And I was, after being up all night, I was like, man, I was like, in i was in the zone it was didn't matter that i was tired or whatever well, and uh i don't know if he's coming back but um 
it's not looking good. And we really do need an actual authority for these people to answer to, because otherwise they just don't care. They don't, they don't care what they look like. They don't care what they sound like because of their immunity. There's just no accountability and they keep deferring back to their own redundancy. Well, so-and-so said, and this said, you know, it's all the same alphabet agency redundancy. So I do have some information uh, uh, about it right never, here. And it, it says that he um, says, former prime minister Boris Johnson, sometimes angry during his testimony today, uh, Britain's inquiry into the COVID-19 pandemic. I found that um, gave me hope honestly choosy because um, there's this guy who had all this power and now he's being, you know, forced to sit on, sit in that chair and answer these tough questions now after the fact. So I think that's a positive thing. Um, he defended himself against suggestions that his indifference and failure to heed the advice of scientists led to thousands of unnecessary deaths. Now I'm not so sure that I find inspiration in that. Um, because uh, that sounds like it's kind of coming from the wrong side of the, the, the aisle here. But in a second day of sworn testimony, he rejected claims that he was prepared to let older people die to protect the economy and that he was too slow to order a second national lockdown as infection rates began to rise in the autumn of 2020. So you see the pressure coming from my mind, the opposite direction from where I would be. It was like, why did you lock people down? But that's me. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of it is hypocritical partisan from both sides, mm -hmm. which, you know, again, it misses the mark, which is why we need actual, uh, you know, uh, a body with the actual authority to charge and sentence. Otherwise, it's just posturing. And um, but it is foreshadowing rick it is a positive foreshadowing to see them in a compromised position where they have to be polite yes. and and uh and i think it is foreshadowing of what's to come let's keep in mind what pascal said about supra siempre the space force motto and its metaphor for standing military legal justice system rescue and uh, that's what's proven in history to work in the absence of benevolent papacy. So we just hold on and hold out for that and keep asking every day. That's all we can do. Just keep asking and uh, and and hope that uh, what Pascal said is true. There are benevolent forces gathering up data, whether it's encrypted or not, and they're going to pull up a dragnet. I don't know what's taken them so long. They could have done it and saved a lot of lives. Um, but better late than never. Got to look forward. You know, it's it's such a difficult time for us as human beings on this planet because it says here, families of the bereaved, this is, these are people who say they lost loved ones during the pandemic, expressed hostility after mm -hmm. the inquiry today, unmoved by... Johnson's apologies. After Johnson testified, protesters outside shouted murderer and shame on you as he left the building and got into his awaiting car, um, <clears throat> which shows that people on the other side are like, why didn't you lock down harder? Right. Um, 
blaming him for the deaths of people. Yeah, the criticisms. Yeah, again, this is the other advice that I wanted to leave people with. Let's please just empty our heads of all of this political and otherwise division, the left and the right the East and the West, all of these different ways that they have to split us Mm -hmm. is just making us crazy. We need to empty our heads of everything political, give ourselves permission to do that because history proves there is no political solution for fascism. It's impossible for a whole list of reasons. So it's part of our process of differentiating between subjective and objective observation, what's opinion and what's actual fact, and sorting through the information to be able to just dismiss that's political, that's political, and that has no place because peaceful revolution is not political, and there's a sequence to doing it. And we need to let go of politics to be able to let that happen without a mess during the transition. Otherwise, it's just going to be a bunch of bickering, you know, people that want to debate about socialism versus communism. And they're very passionate about it, but they're not they're missing the point that those economic isms are just smokescreen cover for Jesuit order fascism. You know, let's all. (laughs) settle on what the definition of that is and that there's a whole multitude of smoke screens and a whole multitude of secret societies that comprise it and to not be fooled and to not be sucked into their transitional space of conflict and misery. And, you know, we have the power to liberate each other from that. There's a couple of bigots in the chat tonight, and you got to give them tough love and homework. And when they come back around, they're a changed person. You know, it happens. So that's all we can do is just keep being the best educators every day, be responsible, and don't take any crap at the same time, right? I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Don't play the game by their rules. no, we're not going to divide up. We're not going to play dodgeball. When they're like, oh, you got to divide into teams. You're going to pick your friends and go on the other side of the gym. Then we're going to chuck balls at each other as hard as we can. Mm-hmm. No, we're not going to do that, teach. Stuff it, you know? But, uh, you know, it. <laughs> I maybe that's a little extreme, but you get the idea. Yeah. It's just all narcissistic splitting. You know what? You use use words that are a little different than mine, but at the end of the day, you and I, we're kind of on the same page. Yep. Oh, we absolutely are, Rick. You're my foot in the door with Canada, sir. There's nobody like you up there uh, that I know of. There was nobody in the alternative media And even the lawyers were slower to come around than you. But you know what? There are lawyers up there that are in the Million Lawyer March, and they got that level head going. So it's a matter of time, my friend. Maybe it wasn't this week, but maybe next week will be the big lucky week. Okay? Okay, we'll keep working toward it. Team Maverick. Yes, sir. All right, much love, sir. Love you back, man. No fear. None.
Take care. Thank you, Choosy. And thank you to all the Mavericks, all the Maverick family. Thank to all of you. Um, and thanks to the new viewers, too. And now that you're here, you're part of the Maverick family, too. And we are going to wrap it up for tonight. Um, it is, uh, yeah, we've been on now, well, yeah, for over three hours. So another successful transmission. And I'm so grateful for the time that you guys have spent with uh, with me here tonight. Let me bring this phone number down off the screen. And we'll bring this over here. Click on that. And with that, I will uh, I will promise that, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow night for another Maverick News broadcast. Love you guys. Catch you on the flip side. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.